Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. From Asmic Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. All right, welcome. Episode 195. I'm Rich. I'm Aaron. And we are... This is... Uh, Chris we are... <laughs> On the road. We're here to pump you up. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pumped call, up. A call back to the to the what is it? Late '80s SNL cast. Yeah, Chris. Chris is on the road again, uh, making that money. So it's just us two tonight. And uh, God, <laughs> if, if Chris wanted to break from the fucking rat race in the in the news, he he definitely had a good week to to miss. And because we just got a smorgasbord of bullshit to cover tonight <laughs> right you know I, I, i'm gonna miss chris actually tonight because we had a discussion earlier in our chat that i'm sure you read where um well every few weeks chris seems to have a breakdown and just goes oh, everything's fucked and trump's not gonna see any repercussions from any of this shit and what's the point and I pull the, eh, you know, this is a process and let this work it out. And this is democracy at work, you know. But at the same time, I'm thinking, too, you're right, it's fucked, man. What the hell is going on? <laughs> but I, I think I was at least able to somewhat detach myself from it and, and understand that let's just kind of enjoy this for the soap opera it is because you don't really have any control about how any of this stuff is playing out right now. And, and no, hope that we are definitely on the roller coaster, but we don't have our hand on the on the on the switch to turn it on or off. We're on a roller coaster. We're on a a, a fair ride in Ohio, is what we're on. <laughs> and the only question is, who's going to be on the car that snaps off? Too soon. Boo. No. <laughs> Sorry, but there's a reason why. I had a discussion with my daughter earlier. I was like, that's why. I don't let you ride those things. Why would you put? Your, why would you put your children on rides that are disassembled and assembled by people on meth? So I tell you, I'll take you to Cedar Point. That's fine. You want to go? Exactly. To, you know, they've been at Disneyland. They ride shit there. That's fine. Those are permanent structures. Any, but that's not that's not the outrage of the week, and that's a, actually a fucked up situation. But the the. Soap opera that is Trump at this point. I know it's difficult to re- remove yourself from the situation and and just try and witness it for the clusterfuck it is. But if you can manage it, it can make it enjoyable because he he's really kind of losing his mind a little bit. And am I exaggerating? Do you feel like I'm exaggerating when I say that Trump's losing his mind? I is think that. He- I think he still thinks he's on the campaign trail, judging by the speech he gave to the Boy Scouts of America. Well, even, you know, his campaign trail speeches, I mean, Trump likes to wander off on tangents, certainly, but you could understand his meaning. Trump gave uh, what sounded like a lot of his normal post-campaign talk, which is, well, in this case, not a direct reference to crowd sizes, but an offhand joke about how the press may report on the size of the, the crowd there on that day. So he got that jab in. 
and managed to say fake news a couple times. He got his his, uh, his catchphrase in. Talks about Hillary. Um, uh, what else? He talked about health care. He talked about repercussions for not... He, he actually managed to fit in some threats while he's addressing the Boy Scouts of America. And which, had, which had to... Those kids had to be like, what the fuck is he talking about? Uh, right. Oh, and but you know his new uh, PR head Sack, or not Sack, Scara, Scaramucci, the Mooch. That's who. That's who he is. He was saying that you know there's a lot of people applauding him there. Well, yeah, there, there are a lot of people that just applaud anything that Trump says, and they probably weren't even really listening. They're like, look, it's Trump. But clearly, there are a lot of people that were upset over his uh, his speech. And the Boy Scouts of America organization actually apologized for taking what is usually a just nonpartisan God Bless America event and making it this excuse to push his agenda and throw mud at other people. And then when he actually tries to make a point, when he, when he seems to compose himself and go, wait a minute, you know, this is like a bunch of kids here that are looking up to me. I'm the president. I need an inspirational story to leave them with. So what's his inspirational story? His inspirational story is how great of a guy Trump is for noticing somebody at a party that nobody else did because he was an old broken down man who used to be super successful and th- that he used to look up to. And there's a message in there. The message is don't lose your momentum because he asked him, what did you do? What happened to your, your empire that you were building? He said, I took some time off. I lost my momentum. So that's what you got to remember, that it's about momentum. And some people don't have momentum, and that's okay. And you're going to get where you're going. But never forget, momentum. <laughs> like, and he somewhere had there's no a story. <laughs> Excuse me, somewhere is a Boy Scout going, uh, and that helps me become an Eagle Scout. How? Okay, all right, well, whatever. My dad's the, my dad's the scout leader, so I better clap. Because <laughs> I don't know if right. you were ever in Boy Scouts. I was in the Boy Scouts for one year, and then even at that young uh, yeah, of an age, bit. I was, yeah, even at that young of an age, I was a cynical bastard and was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and, I mean, it's the whole, you know, oh, they clapped for him. Yeah, they were told to. They're children. These are children we have stand up and, and pledge allegiance yeah, the, to the flag, too, without understanding the words they're saying, okay? So, yes, not put too the, much to the it The kids there. clapped because the president was there, and this was a big event, and that's what you fucking do. But I didn't hear thunderous applause for what he had to say. As a matter of like I mentioned earlier, who was it? Uh, Michael Serbaugh? I think his name is is pronounced. He was a uh, representative from the Boy Scouts of America and had an official apology for this. uh, Well, I just, anybody who reads into the fact that they were clapping for him as like some sort of, I guess, validation of anything he said, I just want to say Kitty Dukakis came to my fucking middle school (laughs) in 88 and gave a speech. And we literally had each of our teachers from our classes when we were sitting in the auditorium was the was was the human applause sign. 
they were sitting facing us or 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 yeah yeah or like you know to they were to our side and whenever she would pause they would start clapping and look at us and we got the point okay start clapping we didn't know what the fuck we're clapping about I guarantee you half them kids don't even know who kitty dukakis was but yeah exactly so well, i mean don't you know because once again extremist <clears throat> you know the, the the extreme trump supporters see boy scouts love them it's because they love america they love mom apple pie baseball and trump and the other extremists on the other side are like oh this is like the hitler youth it's like <laughs> it's, it's, well, it's like the it was like a, the, the the dylan letter um was was shit was his yeah, name dylan i'm not sure but explain that because that one i'm not too i'm not i'm not i'm not too up on so explain that for me oh, if you would, please. It, Sarah Huckabee Sanders decided that at her press conference about health care, I believe, she was going to, and this was going to be something they were going to do at every press conference, read a letter from somebody that wrote to the president. The first one being from, oh, I forget it, somewhere between six and eight years old, I think on the lower side, and... It was this scrawly letter. No, it was like, I think it was eight or nine, actually, because I remember there was controversy over whether the letter was real because it looked like it was written by a five-year-old where the letters are backwards and nothing really stays on the line. It was written by a five-year-old in Russia. That's the problem. Right. <laughs> 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 right, and so it says about, you know, I Trump, I, I love you so much, or some stupid shit, and I don't know why people are so mean to you, and maybe they just don't love their country enough, or some just absurd shit. I mean, obviously, what you're reading that for is propaganda to say, hey, here's a room full of people who don't like Trump. Well, I brought a letter from somebody who does like Trump, so you guys must be wrong. Because, what, a fucking nine-year-old? Who the fuck cares about what a nine-year-old thinks about the president? He is the last person we need to be hearing from and says nothing about your character. Let's face it. If that's really nine-year-old Dylan's letter, he's got some kind of learning disability and needs some help. Dylan, Dylan's <clears throat> Dylan's in a uh, special needs class, if that's the case, in other words. Yeah. My theory is that it was the last thing that Spicer was asked to do before he left, was to fake scrawl a nine-year-old note. I mean, a note from a nine-year-old. I mean, apparently this is only the beginning. That's, that's their only argument. Hey, people still like him. He still has his supporters. Are we just going to hear from the, the nation's youth? about how great Trump is because we know him from TV and hey he's a nine year old boy I mean who doesn't want to grab some pussy yeah and God knows the politicians have never faked anything from children for political gain oh, you know right. have never said have never said that oh, oh no let's let's pick from this big bag this letter and it just so happens this letter speaks <laughs> you know praises right. to the president you that know. would be great. I hope she really does just start lugging a huge letter bag. And like then, it's the Santa and shit. <laughs> right. 
she's like reaches in to randomly grab one and you see somebody's like hand come out of the bag and like force a letter on her <laughs> miracle on, on pennsylvania street <laughs> <laughs> yes virginia there really is a douchebag in the white house you know? <laughs> <laughs> and there are really still assholes who support this man oh man it's, it is funny i that is just just a quick aside I'm seeing more and more of former, uh, very like enthusiastic Trump supporters start to post anti-Trump or anti-both party things, whereas before everything was very pro-Trump, and mm-hmm. you know this is this is what the, the country needs, and and now it's it. it I, I'm just like, wow. So you've managed to piss off the people who were totally in your corner nine months ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is. It's, it's interesting. He still has some hardcore supporters, like Newt Gring- Gingrich is still a big fan of Trump's for some reason, and was all over the media touting the line about Mueller being a Democratic shill and giving money to Hillary and getting money from the Dems for his wife's race and all this bullshit. But you you do have some people that are speaking out against him. It's not just the Boy Scouts. It was um, uh, General Joseph Dunford Jr. was one who had to reply to his tweets about transgender people. And I'm sure you you saw all those too. Uh, Yeah. But it kind of came out of nowhere he just he just started tweet he started out with like a gap in between so i had a chance to respond to the first one before i saw where he was going because it was all about how the government and the military will not allow this nation to dot 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 i jumped in and was like have a douchebag like you for a president or something similar something equally as clever i'm sure and but then goes on to say that you know the, the military, he talked it over with his generals, that's what he says, and, and representatives for the, from the military, and we're not going to have transgendered people in the military. And nobody in the military had any idea what he was talking about. And General Dunford said that, as far as he knows, there's no current modification to, to the rules of who can serve and it's not something that they were even discussing or talking about. Even his own party, the, the Republicans were like, why? What are you doing? Like, this is not our... We're trying to get health care done, and you're trying to stir up a shitstorm about transgendered people. Or, am I saying that wrong? Transgender people? I'm putting an ED on the end of it, and I, I can't remember if that's the offensive one or not. I'm sorry. I'm still I, old. It, I'm not a bigot, but I am old. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Anyone listening to us, unless this is their first time, <laughs> I think pretty much understands that, especially you of all people, do not really give a, fu- give a fuck if someone wants to transition from one gender to another. Like no. I've never picked up any hate from you. So if you're inadvertently using the wrong whatever someone will correct us down the line and you'll correct maybe it'll stick what you said <laughs> well <Right>. i mean <clears throat> I, okay the first thing i thought is is first of all 
you don't dictate military policy from Twitter. So just because he posted that doesn't mean that today right. they just started throwing transgender people out. And exactly. number two, this just so happened to be on the same day that healthcare went to a vote. And this is, isn't this, I mean, this is what Chris would say. Why are, we're, we're so busy over here with this issue that affects hardly anybody. Not that that means it's right. a non-issue. Right, no, I agree. A, a percentage of a percent of people, and we're going to argue about it, and it's all over social media, but we're not paying attention to what the left hand's doing. Mm-hmm. We're right. I'm, I think the, the estimate was just over 6,000 people, which honestly See, was a lot more than I, than I would have thought. I, from, I've, I've, seen, I've seen from... Just in the military, from, not from, the U.S., Oh, yeah, yeah. But I've seen numbers way higher than that. Lowest number I've seen is 10,000. Highest I've seen is 20,000. And I'm going, wait a minute. In 1994, there was 175,000 active Marines. There was something like 800,000 in the Navy or Air Force. And I think the Navy and the Army had well over a million. That's If you add all them up, that's still a very high percentage. And... If that's if that if that twenty thousand number is true, then I, then I think a lot of people are going to have to realize that the military might not be as closed minded as people like to think the military is. Right. Um, personally, I don't believe the twenty thousand number. I, I in fact I, I would say yeah. I would say it's it's probably closer to the number you said around six five thousand. Yeah. Because well, I, mean, I, I think that well, it was. Uh, it was actual information that was from the military. Their estimates, based on what they knew, was it was something like sixty-two or sixty-seven thousand. I mean, in the population of millions, it's not, it really is still a drop in the bucket. But yeah, when you look at that, I mean, that's a fairly high concentration for the military. That's a lot more than than I would have thought. But Yeah, and I just can't believe that there's so many people who want to transition that are like, you know where I'm going to do that? In the military. You know, like, it just seems like that does not, it's not a very comfortable, like, oh, yeah, I just got back from my first uh, tour of of Afghanistan, and now I'm going to start taking hormones, and when I report back from leave, I am, you know, I mean, because you got to think about it. If you go from male to female, you're breaking regulations the minute you grow your hair out. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to... It sounds petty, but that's the military. You're not allowed to have long Right, but hair. A wom- yeah, a woman is allowed to, to have long hair. Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, they can't right. go past like their shoulders and shit. So, I mean... Well, you know, I... God damn it. We got to figure this out. Um, say that last sentence again. The military just doesn't seem like the ideal place to go through a, the transition process at. And even if who was uh, you Chelsea, wouldn't think so, but you Chelsea know, Manning, what was what was what was his name before he transitioned? Brad, I don't was know. Bradley. Uh, he maybe. was. He was. He was in the fucking brig. He was in. He was in military prison when he went through with his transition, which means right. he was no longer. I mean, you are when you're in military prison, but I mean, it's prison. But I mean, still, it's like. You can't just wake up one morning, look at your, you know, look at your platoon sergeant, and go, 
yeah, don't call me Richard anymore. I'm Rochelle. Because he's going to go, okay, Rochelle, well, get your ass out of that bunk, soap your balls, and get in fucking uniform because we're going to PT. I mean, it's, they're not going to be like, oh, well, we're going to move you over to the woman's been during basic training or boot camp. Even though they do have co-ed boot camp and everything but the Marine Corps. Marine Corps, 1st, 3rd, 1st, 2nd, 3rd battalions are all males. 4th battalion are females. So I guess it could happen in the other branches. But I doubt the Marines are going to be like, oh, you want to transition in the middle of boot camp? Sure, pack up and we'll march you out to the 4th battalion. Well, I you know, honestly, I don't, have, I don't know what their policy is on that. It, it seems rather likely that the reason that there's more transgender people in the military than I would have thought is because they are willing to pay for uh, transition surgeries and, and procedures. And see, to me, that seems like something that you do after you've well, secured a spot. You're not going to wash out in basic training, boot camp, and any of your MOS training. You, you may be right. I have no idea. But... That's a, a lot of the pushback on this uh, on having transgender people in the military has been we our tax dollars shouldn't be paying for that. And I don't see how this is any different than how many people in poor neighborhoods join the military so they can pay for their education. They are giving away part of their freedom sacrificing themselves for the nation in re- in return for a way to improve their own lives. It's really no different. And I actually had an argument with a, a guy on Twitter who had responded to um, this libertarian politician that I follow. And, he was, and the libertarian was like, look, this is just about basic civil rights this is about treating everyone equally in the military and out. And he was rip-roaring mad about the f- idea that his tax dollars would go to cut somebody's dick off. And I was like, if, okay, but if you're worried about military spending, how about the other $5 billion or $50 billion or what? I can't even remember what it is. Either one sounds like a big number, but that's even if you go with the estimate, somewhere between two to eight million is what I've heard, depending on how many people actually want to transition in the military. That's still nothing. It's so little. And I don't know if these people realize that how much they, they're, they come off as just trying to take one more thing away from somebody in the military they already don't get enough support you know our 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 politicians most of them get pensions they get health care for life they get to live a pretty damn good life after maybe only serving four or six years in office sometimes yeah john mccain just got cancer treatment courtesy of the american taxpayer right and i'm not saying that that veterans don't have health care We've all heard various reports about the the VA. I mean, I think I've mentioned this before, but um, my grandfather has had a lot of experience. He was in the war. He's had to go to the VA. They've uh, replaced his hip. He couldn't be happier with it. He's got nothing but glowing things to say about the VA hospital that he went to. But he, I don't know that he's the norm. 
So, oh, shit. Do we have an argument? And, and, certainly, and certainly it's not. I mean, a lot of these health problems that people end up in VA hospitals for, that, uh, that veterans end up in these hospitals for, is due to mental treatment or me- mental conditions that they are not getting treatment for. So um, definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but we kind of got off on a, a tangent there, didn't we? What were we talking about? Um, oh, just transgender people in the military in general. Um, well, I I know that my view is not a very popular one because mm-hmm. ultimately, I mean, but ultimately, I do come down on the side of it's your body, it's your right to do with what you want with your body. I mean, I, I even feel that way up to and including suicide. If you want to take yourself out, it's your life. It's your right. Okay. So if I believe that, then who am I to fucking tell someone they can't go through, you know, transition to another, from one gender to another? My problem lies with there is such a thing as body dysmorphia. That is a legitimate mental condition. And I have friends that have it. And most people, when they hear that, they think of, they think of the stereotypical after-school special, you know, the girl with anorexia or bulimia or something. I have male uh-huh. friends. I have male friends who think they're obese and they are actually underweight for their, for their height and their age and obsess about it. I mean, I've had, I have one male friend who's went under the knife for plastic surgery five times that I know of, and he's not even 30. Well, he's, I take it back. I think he turned 30 this year, and he's had five plastic surgeries on his face. And uh-huh. to see him before, he was a perfectly normal-looking guy, but he's convinced that he needed all this. Now, I'm not comparing that to people who are transgendered. My question is, to automatic, for someone just to, to go, I feel like I was born in the wrong body. And I want to transition. I was always told there was maybe screening process isn't the right way to describe it, but there was therapy and education that went along with it. I know for a fact that it, when the doctor told me, "Have you ever thought about having uh, uh, lap band surgery?" I said, uh-huh. "No." And they said, "Well, you know, just so you know, no no reputable doctor would ever recommend that surgery without a year's worth of." Uh, education on nutrition, trying to do lifestyle changes, see if that works first, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I'm like, okay. And that's nowhere near as invasive as transi- uh, transition you know, operation. So my thing is, is the military making sure that, these, that, these, that, that if someone is in, is in, is in a permanent duty station, they've, you know, they're an E5, an E6, they have time and grade. You mean, and are they, they weeding say, out the clingers? Well, no. Are they, are, they, are they making sure that these are people who don't have an undiagnosed mental condition and these are people who honestly feel trapped in the wrong gender? Because whether we like to admit it or not, and no matter how small of a percentage that may be, the situation I just described, that is a, that is a reality. That does happen. There are people who go through the surgery and they they rush they rush through. Usually, it happens in other countries, or people leave this country and go to another country and get the mm-hmm. surgery. And then a year or two later, they go through severe depression. Right. 
you know, and they, and, yeah, and, no, and, and they're like, they're like, oh, I, I jumped, I jumped the gun. I shouldn't have done this, but there's no going back at this point. And so my concern is, you were sitting here telling me you're worried about the mental health of our troops. Then, and believe me, there's certain MOSs, which is military occupational uh, specialty, that you're not going to get into without severe psych evaluations and screening. And I just want to make sure that we're doing the same thing for people who say, I was born in the wrong gender and I want to transition. Right. Okay, cool. But it can't, I'm sorry. I I just, I I don't think it should be something that's like, boom, I say that six months later, I'm walking around outwardly completely than the, the, the opposite gender that I was born as. Rich, I, I understand where you're coming from and your point is totally reasonable. Um, I don't have this exactly figured out in my own head, but this is what it makes me think of. Uh, the idea that, you know, whether somebody is making a, a, a sane choice or not is essentially what we're talking about here. And it's it's like if you've... Uh, like you talk to a stripper and she really seems to have her shit together, right? And she's got this story about how she's totally comfortable with her body and she, when she does this, she feels empowered and she's the one in control and she makes a lot of money and she's taking advantage of all these suckers or what, whatever her story is, anything but I, I'm out here putting my body on display because my stepfather molested me, you know? Which may or not, I'm not saying that's the case for every one of them, but you do see a lot of girls who were abused when they were younger end up as strippers. There's a reason for that. So... How do you find out where that line is? Like, are you really, this is who you are and this is what you want to be and doing right now? Or is there something else going on that you should really, you'd be better off seeking help for instead of trying to live this story of this strong, independent woman and saying, now I need to seek therapy and work out my issues with being molested or whatever may have happened. And and I don't know <laughs> I don't know how you evaluate that as 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 uh, an organization like the military or even a, or as a government. I think I, I don't I don't know is, how you. The, milita- the better question is: the Military even equipped to deal with that on a mm-hmm. on a day to day basis? Because that is right. that is not something you run into in the civilian sector on a day to day basis. So, and also, you know, there's a lot of, in addition to hiding behind concerns for what their tax dollars are paying for, there's also the idea out there that all transgender people suffer from mental illness, and we shouldn't have people who suffer from mental illness in our military. I mean, there, I know that's not what you're saying, but there's people who take that concept and run the complete opposite way with it. Of course, yeah. And the third thing it makes me think about is, well, for an an example of how the government chooses to insert themselves into decisions that people make as individuals, Uh, abortion is a big one. And in some parts of the country, you can get an abortion but first, we want Dr. McFeely to come stick his hand up your vag a couple times 
and talk to you about your other options and watch this video while we uh, violently extract uh, a three-month-old fetus from a woman's vagina under x-ray and, you know, do all these things to try and make sure that you know exactly what you're getting into, at least that's their defense, but really they want to push their propaganda about why you shouldn't. So even if the military gets involved to the detail where they want to evaluate mental health before approving this procedure, I think that's what you're going to end up with is a lot of propaganda to try and dissuade the person from doing something they think is immoral, gross, however you want to think about it. Definitely, because you're going to have people who are going to look at it as an all-or-nothing proposition, a zero-sum game, and it's not that. Mental illness, look, if you go by the DSM-5, most people suffer from some form of mental illness. The problem is is that there's such a stigma attached to it that people automatically bristle at the idea that they do suffer from any type of mental illness as, I'm not crazy, don't call me crazy. No one's calling right. you crazy. Okay, right. I mean, mental illness could be something as little as, and I'm not saying OCD is little, but I mean, I know people with mild cases of it. Case in point, a buddy of mine explained it to me one time, and because and, I didn't really understand OCD. And he said, anytime I hear a year, someone says like 1984, just to throw a year out, he uh-huh. automatically in his head, without even stopping to think what he's doing, has to figure out how many years it's been since 1984 to the current year. And I'm like, okay, so is that like a mild case of it? And he goes, that's what I was diagnosed with. And he goes, there's other, it manifests itself in other ways also, but that's the easiest way to explain it to someone who doesn't suffer it. Another, another, friend of mine explained right you can't you can't that takes over your thought so you can't have another thought until you finish that thought about how many years have passed exactly and another way it was explained to me by a friend of mine um she said that when she was younger her parents used to call her a warrior you're just a warrior you worry all the time and when she got older and she actually went into into counseling she found out that it was the OCD, and I was like, well, what do you mean worry? And she's like, things like I would leave my house and I would pull out of the driveway and then go, did I lock the front door? And I would pull back in, go back and check the front door. And sometimes I would do this two or three times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shit, okay. I know people like that. That makes sense to me. Because when we see OCD, usually in pop culture and movies and television, it's the it's the extreme cases you know the people that have to touch everything a certain way 50 million times before they can do anything and you know the uh, right count the number of times you flip the light switch or it's the exact other range of the guy who just has a huge funko pop collection like he's like ocd collects this shit like crazy you know we're really just talking about obsessive collection i mean because and, and going back to to mental illness i mean there's mental illness that is as benign as the inability to feel comfortable in large crowds now unless you're in a job that dictates you have to be in large crowds 
it's fairly easy to avoid large crowds. I mean, Jay talked about it one time on a podcast. As he's gotten older, he doesn't like going to huge shows to where he's in the middle of a crowd and uh, you feel like he can't get out of it. No, I mean, when we say mental illness, is that like on par with... Is it debilitating? Like, no. It, but, you know, he's he not going to freak. He's just not going to go to the concert. He's not going to freak out and have a breakdown in the middle of Walmart. Exactly. He's... And... and, and Part of dealing with a mental illness is learning what what sets it off, learning to avoid situations, and learning to deal with situations that you have to be put in through circumstance or just through everyday life and dealing with it. And that's what a lot of therapy, all therapy is not as fucking glamorous as, you know, uh, uh, gross point blank where he's got a hitman as, as, a, as a client or the Sopranos where it's a mob boss. It's a lot of therapy is just everyday skills to deal with shit every day that people, for whatever reason, weren't taught. And, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's where I'm saying, like, the whole reason I brought this up and I, and, I, and I gave all these examples is when I say something like someone might have a mental illness and, they are, and they're like, I feel I'm trapped in the wrong body, I'm not calling that that feeling of being trapped in the wrong body of mental illness. What I'm okay. saying is there some people jump to extreme measures to handle things. And I mean, I, I've I've had friends that were, were gay or bisexual tell me that, you know, they thought, you know, was it was I born in the wrong body because they were gay. And so they went through an androgynous period. You know, they walked around looking like the guys from Placebo or 1974 David Bowie or something and right. experimented with wearing makeup and even, you know, around the house wore women's clothes and they just never felt comfortable doing it, but they experimented with it. Okay, well, that's fine. All right. Is it a little weird to me? Yes, it's weird to me, but guess what's weird to me? A family that, 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 that doesn't eat ham at Easter. You know what I'm saying? Because that's the family I grew up in. It's, it's, it's everything, things that are weird to people is something that you don't do. So just because it's a little sh different to me doesn't mean I'm like judging it and saying, oh, that's fucking horrible. How dare you do that? I mean, it's, it's a big issue that unfortunately is being boiled down to, and I agree with you on this, the, the people who don't want to come out and say, I don't agree with it, I think if I think any type of, of transgender person is a is a mental illness, they're hiding behind. I don't want my tax dollars paid because. I, Wait, so I, I'm sorry. Go go back. Uh, they're hiding behind their tax dollars. They're hiding by, behind claiming that they don't want their tax dollars going towards someone transitioning. They don't want they don't want their tax dollars paying for it. But if you really look at the breakdown of it. More of our tax dollars go towards providing people in the military with Viagra than it does with people that are transitioning. Right. Is it my job to make sure you can fuck a, a, a hooker on, when you're on leave in Okinawa? No. Yeah. What do you think happens when a, a general can't get it up anymore? I mean, it's either it's either that or you're paying for his penis pump, but you're paying for this shit either way. You're paying for these people in the military. You're paying you for know, all of them. You just don't like those certain people, and, and then you they, don't think that they should be in the military, even though course, they'd probably they kick your fucking ass. And then, of course, it comes down to the people who say, well, you know, 
I have an issue with my tax dollars being spent that way. And when you point out to them, but you have no issue with your tax dollars being used to kill people in or, drone or strikes just, that go wrong or to keep keep us in bases in Germany and Japan where we're not needed. Or produce thousands of tanks and planes that will just sit and do nothing. Exactly. Or that are just being off. produced because some senator in his state wants to have a project that he can take home and say, look at this. Look at this glorious pork that I provided for my, my home state. We're all going to make tons of airplanes that will probably never fly. Or worse, if they do, we're going to leave them sitting where, where people who are going to get hold of them who are going to use them against us or right. against other people. No, this is great. Wait, we, the taxpayers pay for the tanks and the surface-to-air missiles and then we put them in a warehouse for a decade or two, and then we turn around and sell them to whatever third world, third world nation is having a civil war, and we make money off of it. Mm-hmm. Like The government's got it figured out. They are robbing you blind when it comes to the military, and it has nothing to do with what's in between anybody's legs. Definitely. So, I mean, so try again, loser. You, you, you're just a bigot who is creeped out by the idea. Look, if you want to be creeped out about it, that's fine. But don't feel like... I, why do you feel like you're being taken advantage of? Somebody's getting one over on you. Like, I found a way to make people who hate my way of life pay for my sex change operation. Yeah, and on top of that, in today's world... In, in the post 9-11 world, you're really taking your life in your hands by joining the military. Just if, if your sole purpose yeah. of joining the military is to have them pay for your transition, uh, you're taking a big risk because even if you take the ASVAB and you score real high on it, and let's say you go to air traffic control school, I think that has a washout rate of like 50, 60%. And guess what happens when you wash out of one of the high-end MOS placements, you go down and become a bullet catcher. So now you're on the front line. So it's either an all-or-nothing proposition. Very, very few times are you going to see a guy go in to be an electrical engineer, flunk out of that MOS, and then end up somewhere in the rear with the gear. No, they're most likely going to throw him in the 0300, 0311. He's going to be an infantryman somewhere. And at that point, was it worth it? And I mean, don't you cannot tell me that, believe me, in today's day and age with the internet, yeah, there's dumb kids out there that don't bother to look at all the facts, but there is more information available to people than there has ever been. And there's people who know that, oh, if I join the military and I go in there and I become a shitbird and fuck off, I'm going to end up being a bullet catcher. Is this really worth the risk? And I'm gonna, I'm, I would, I would venture to guess. I'd bet a lot of money that most people would say fuck that if they're not completely dedicated to a military way of life. And that's the other thing. This is the Bill Hicks in me coming out. If he said it in '92 about gay people, if gay people are dumb enough to join the military, fucking let them. Put a fucking helmet on their head. Tell them to get in the fucking foxhole. And when we need you to kill some brown people, we'll do it. And anyone who says. Well, all these fucking faggots in the military are bringing our spirit down and our, and our morale. Wait a minute. Aren't you fucking hired killers who we let loose to kill little brown people when we tell you to? Don't talk to me about morals. Don't say, hey, I don't, when I'm killing little kids, I don't want some faggot next to me seeing that. Shut the fuck up. Be lucky you got someone to cover your six and go out and do the fucking job. 
All right. I mean, I'm not doing it. And I mean, that, that, that was strictly, I was paraphrasing Bill Hicks. That's what he said. But that's the way I feel. If, if someone is de- dedicated to where they're joining the military, I mean, there's a former Navy SEAL who's transitioned, who came out and gave a speech in the last 24 hours. And I was like, God damn, dude. If you ever question the dedication of someone in the military, you better never question a Navy SEAL's dedication because that has like a 90% washout rate. 90% of those fuckers that show up for that training don't make it. And of the 10% that do, they weed out another like 50%. Right? It is the best of the best. These are people who have a will and determination that most average human beings will never understand. So... Fuck that! If they want to do it, more power to them. Because this is the this is we live in a fucked up world, and we need those fucking people on the fucking lines when the shit hits the fan. Because it ain't gonna be Joe Blow six pack with a fucking beer gut sitting there watching fucking Game of Thrones that's gonna protect us. That's for damn sure. Right. Well, you know, it is true that for as much uh, there's a lot of discussion on Twitter about this, and I think that was Trump's intention was just to basically throw some raw meat in the center and let everybody fight over it. And there was a lot of people coming out in support of of transgender people who are in the military. And, um, oh, uh, I, I lost my bigger point on this of why I was, wow. Trump brought it up to, to get a conversation started, throw raw meat into it in the middle and... Yeah, that's no, it's gone. <laughs> where, else, where else can I go with that? Well, you know, all this talk about uh, Trump, he says, I'm great for LGBTQ, and Hillary is just all lip service. I love the gays, I love the trannies, whatever else he said. Like, I know that this does not directly affect a lot of the the core Trump supporters, but how is this not evidence that you know it's it's like when you see let's say you got a friend, right? A female friend. And this friend you've seen her have a lot of different boyfriends. She always does those cheat on them. And then stars align a certain way and you hook up with this friend you go ah pretty hot like to have her as a girlfriend right but if you're not thinking in the back of your head when is she going to cheat on me you're probably a fool because mm-hmm. a che- because a cheater's a cheater and you're not that special and i say the same thing to a fuck the fucking trump voters like you may not give a fuck whether transgender people are in the military or not you may have strong opinions against it. But just look at the character of the person that you voted for. Another instance on record where he's saying one thing, that he supports a group of people, and then does the exact opposite when he's in office. Isn't this the type of person that you're voting against? Didn't you vote for Trump because he wasn't a traditional politician, and that's what all the politicians do? It's all lip service? So... Even if it doesn't directly affect you, you're next. Because Trump voter, hardcore Trump supporter, there's any one of them listening out there, you're not that special. And you're certainly not special to Trump. And he's going to stab you in the back like he's 
He's done numerous groups of people in this country already. And he will continue to do, even to his, his own staff. I mean, look at, look at this mess with Jeff Sessions. Again, look at the character of this man who had nothing but great things to say about Sessions, and probably rightfully so, because this is somebody who has been supporting him since the rest of the Republican Party said, no, you're crazy. This Trump shit will never fly. We're supporting Jeb. And one of his most stout supporters, he was so in there from the beginning with Trump that he got one of the highest positions that you can obtain in the, in the government, the attorney general. And what has he done to him now? Well, drop out. Okay. Yeah. What has he done to him now? Just let him twist. But this idea, I mean, he's openly talked about him in interviews about how he's weak and ineffective and should never have been an attorney general. He's toyed with the idea of firing him, but he will not pull the trigger because he must be listening to somebody, whether he's listening to the mooch or whoever is whispering into his ear, something's getting through. Well, Lindsey Graham told him in no uncertain terms, if Sessions is fired, there will be holy hell to pay, and that's a direct quote. Yes, he also said that there would be no uh, hearings held in the, in the near future to appoint a new attorney general. And uh, I think it was, was it Schumer that had said that uh, they were working towards blocking any um, recess appointments? Basically, when, you know, if, if, if the representatives aren't in session... The president is allowed to just go, well, we need somebody to run this department, so I'm just going to appoint him. And the Democrats are working on blocking that from happening as well. Because they all know what this means. Everybody understands what this means. I can't even, I don't even believe when people uh, are, are telling the stories about how this is all a partisan battle. And towing Trump's new line of, of Mueller being wrapped up in Democratic money, and that's why he's going after Trump. And this deep state bullshit that, that Fox News and everybody is still pushing. Everybody, whether they want to admit it out loud or not, understands what it means for Trump to get rid of Jeff Sessions. It means that he puts somebody else in who will independently, quote-unquote, make the decision to get rid of Mueller and help shut down this investigation. I don't even know if this is indirect obstruction of justice. And the Republicans are freaking out about this because then they're going to be forced to make a decision finally and say, here's somebody who's openly trying to obstruct an investigation. And if we, hitch, if we continue to hitch our wagon to him, we're going down with him. So, I mean, yeah, it's interesting to hear from Lindsey Graham. Although, I mean, I don't know why you just get your conscience now, why you suddenly got a soul. Um, you know, John McCain. Right? I mean, all these same, all these same people who were like, John McCain's an American hero. He's a, he's a guiding light to us all, an example of what a true American is. 
and didn't say shit about any of the the he didn't didn't come to the defense of any of the transgender people in our military. Well, you're just blowing hot air. And John McCain had a pretty nice sounding speech in his uh, his coming back to the Senate after having op- an operation and finding out that he had brain cancer about partisan politics and how he wouldn't he would vote to to continue debate on the floor over health care, but he would not vote on any piece of legislation that was not openly debated during that period. God damn it. That was not openly de- debated during that period. And yet he did. I mean, he voted no. But he didn't do what he said, which was abstain from voting on anything that wasn't uh, debated between both parties. They went ahead and, and you know tried to push through a couple more repeals. I can't. I can't even keep track now. Uh, what's the count on how many times they've not been able to get a vote through on a, on a revised bill? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. It, it's I'm going to approach double digits if it continues at this pace. Because it was like they voted to continue debate, then right away voted on a re, on a, a replacement. Could, didn't get it. Went for a skinny repeal, as they call it. Didn't get it. They're still trying for a skinny repeal, even though the major point of the the skinny repeal of Obamacare is getting rid of the individual mandate, which even the health industry lobbyists are saying now to the Republicans, if you get rid of the individual mandate, all these costs are going up immediately, way more than anything under Obamacare. So what are they really trying to accomplish here? And... You know, part of the reason why I, I'm frustrated by this process with health care, but ultimately none of it really matters to me because if you don't do anything about controlling the cost of prescription drugs, if you don't do anything to help with uh, more preventative care and more mental health care, then I don't know what the fuck you're doing with health care. It hasn't worked for forever in this country and has rarely worked for me. So I I don't even feel like I have that much bought into Obamacare or whatever Trump care ends up being personally. I I mean, we've covered health care multiple times before. Health care is one of the Healthcare is, healthcare is one of those things that I just I look at and I go the solutions that are presented to us do nothing to move us forward in a in a in a in a good direction ultimately. It just lines the pockets of the of the pharmaceutical companies. It continues to handcuff people as far as I mean the fact that the fact that, that we now live in a country to where you have to buy health care or else you are fined with a t- with you know with a tax that goes up every year you don't have it or have Medicaid is essentially a tax to exist in this country and that is completely against everything that we that, that supposedly this country stands for and 
my friends that go, well, this is what you get with socialism and they're going to take more of your money and you have to pay it or else you're going to go to jail. And it's like, well, don't you understand they're going to take our money anyways? My problem isn't the money they take. My problem is what they do with the money that's taken. And I'm sorry, mm. maybe because I'm not a millionaire and I don't pay the fucking the, the top ta- tax percentage, but if I was, I would have less of a problem with my money going towards helping people who I employ stay healthy. I mean, you have a ca- case in point. You just have, okay, c- uh, um, what is the big fucking burrito the big new burrito chain. Oh, uh, uh, um, the one that's had all the problems? Yeah, is it Chipotle? Yeah. Chipotle. They had two in one store outside of uh, D.C. They had two employees they forced to come in sick and work. And those employees infected so many people by being forced to work while sick, while physically ill, that they had to shut down that store and completely clean it from top to bottom. Now, mm-hmm. if that's a franchise... That's out of that franchise owner's pocket. Now, yeah, it should be. If that's the corporate, if that's a corporate store, that's out of the corporate the corporate's pocket, which isn't that bad. But if I'm at the top, I rather have tax money that goes to making sure people like that don't have to go to work while sick, don't risk fucking shutting down an entire store, losing that business, and then dumping money in it to make sure. It's cleaned from top to bottom to where it gets an A-plus rating before it opens again. And then do the rehab on my fucking reputation with that store. Yeah. I mean, can, if you just plot it out on paper, like, do the math. It, it, offering a sick day is an investment that pays off. I know you don't want to pay for your employee not to be at work. And also, if you don't offer sick days, your employee doesn't want to call off because he doesn't want to lose that money in his paycheck. Yeah, He's I've got worked, bills I, to pay. I've literally worked in food service and seen people come in and be on the make line, finish making food, run to run to the back, bend over a fucking a trash can and puke, wash their hands, wipe their face, or you know, wipe their face, wash mm-hmm. their hands, and then go back to work. Right. And I'm like, how is this? How is this a good idea to anybody in charge? And, the, you know, the thing you hear is, well, they can just stay home from work. No, they can't. These are not, they're not making enough money. There's not a paid sick day. Right. They, they don't have insurance through the company. They, they don't have 100 to $280 to go to the, uh, 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 shit, the, oh, what are the clinics? Golf not the ERs anymore. <laughs> No, not the not the oh, you don't oh, go to the uh, ER. You go to the yeah, um, uh, something urgent care. Urgent care. Thank you. Yes. Okay. You know they don't they don't have that type of cash laying around. And right. Like honestly, like missing a day's work could be a hundred bucks, and that could be the difference between you know how much food you have for that week, or maybe it's something as simple as like not being able to just go out and enjoy yourself like a normal fucking human being. Go see a movie if you want to. Go out to eat once a week. I mean, I I make okay money, and I, I barely do shit. I have my vices and my hobbies, too, you know, but, like, you know, if I, if I missed a day of work and didn't get paid for it, I'd be in a situation where I'd have to go, okay, well, then uh, something's got to go. 
I, I can't buy this or, you know, I have to try and push this bill off, hope that they won't turn off my electric if I push it off another month or something, you know. Or, or worse even, yet, or, go and get emergency relief from the state, which is going to cost the taxpayers more probably in the long run because you have to wait till your bill's in shutoff mode before you can even right. go to them for help. Or if you're so responsible that, enough to be saving some of your money, you've got to dip into that savings now. Well, you know, something that was brought up recently at, amongst a group of friends of mine online, and, and we had a kind of a group conversation about, was the fact that there's a very tiny percentage of us who went to high school together who've ever been on a proper vacation. Once right. we're adults. Once we're adults. And no, I, I haven't. I mean, well... I take that back, one kind of. Well, I mean, to me, and this is how fucked up my thinking is to what television and movies have taught me what vacations are. Because I think uh, vacation, I think National Lampoon vacation, I think right. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Home, the Home Alone movies type shit. A vacation to me is a family member dies and I have to go to the funeral. <laughs> and... <laughs> I get to drive down to Johnson City, Tennessee, and see family members I haven't seen in five, ten years. That's a vacation to me. Right, I'm not yeah. even joking. And during this discussion, it came up that people who live in a world to where they take one or two vacations a year and they have the solidly middle-class life, unless they came from dirt poverty, I mean, you know, dirt poor, and, and worked their way up, which is possible, but it's getting harder and harder. But it is possible. They really have no idea how the poor live. But the poor is constantly aware of how everybody else who's living better than them lives. Right. It's shoved in our face 24-7. You turn on the TV, it's keeping up with the Kardashians. It's hearing that Khloe Kardashian gets $30,000 from E! Entertainment Television every time she posts on social media, no matter what it is. It's, you know, hearing that Donald Trump got a small loan of a million dollars to start his business when he was, you know, when he graduated uh, college. It's, you know, turning on Pimp My Ride, or mm -hmm. not Pimp My Ride, but Cribs, and seeing, you know, a B-level actor living in a house that most of us would give our left nut just to fucking live in the guest house of. And you see all this, and you're poor, and you just, you go, wow, that'd be nice. But meanwhile, I have to go to bed to wake up and go to my fucking job tomorrow. So I'm going to go dream on it because that's all it's ever going to be. Well, people who are like, and once again, when I say solidly middle class, I'm talking what they consider, I mean, what is it, a family of four, $250,000 a year they're making? That's considered solidly middle class. I don't know many people that make that. It's a decent I, chunk I, of change. I mean, that's a quarter million dollars for a mom and dad and, and two kids. I mean, think about that. You have people right now who are raising families, whether it be single to. mothers or, or a, a, a mother, a young couple, raising families on a total of like fifty, fifty-five thousand combined income, or twenty, twenty-five or twenty-five, thirty on a single income. Those people, those people aren't taking vacations. Those people don't have the money. Yeah. To put away yeah, for sorry. save, you can save for. You can either save for back in the day, at least. We're going to try to save for your for your kids' college, and you hope they go to college, or maybe a trade school, 
hope they get a couple, you know, scholarships, a couple Pell Grants, whatever, to help them with it, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the money you used to be able to put away to save, now you have to put into health care because the job you work at doesn't provide benefits and you make too much money to get any, you know, state where, what is it, uh, well, you make you just make too much money to get to get Medicaid, and on top right. of that, you make too much money to get any subsidy of any amount. I mean, so I mean, f- yeah, food stamps or, or WIC card or whatever you have. I mean, I, any I, kind I'm of gonna, assistance. Yeah, I'm not going to put my finances out there, but if I if I was to throw the number, the highest number of money I've ever made in a year, and then tell you what they wanted me to pay in health insurance. People would go, that's impossible. That's over a third of what you make just to insurance. And I'm like, yeah. Now, where the Stop fuck am buying I buying iPhones. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As I had a six-year-old fucking Samsung that someone had gave me. <laughs> yeah. And I had to finally replace it because it couldn't update the operating system anymore because it didn't have enough onboard memory. <laughs> right, <laughs> but that's, that's part phone? of the problem, isn't it? Like... Uh, when when middle class and rich people actually do see a little glimpse of the way poor people live, they go, oh, look at that. They got a smartphone. They got a flat screen. Oh, they got laptops and tablets. Like, hey, that's being poor is pretty good in America, huh? Like, what? Well, I, you, you think we all, everybody who, who makes less than $50,000 in this country needs to live like Oliver Twist? Yeah, I love that. It needs that, to be begging on the co- on the corner. Please, sir, some more porridge. Yeah, I, I love the attitude of our poor in this country live better than the middle class in third world countries. So everybody needs to shut the fuck up. Yet yeah. they're the, well, they're, also the all, they're also the first people to wave the flag and say America's number one, USA, USA. And it's like, uh, you want to point out what we're number one in because not a whole lot of categories. Jailing people. Uh, yeah, and putting and, people in prisons, <laughs> and and people who believe in angels, and uh, let's see, I know there was another one. It wasn't that great, but uh, I mean, I, we're thirty seventh in education, fourteenth yeah. in internet speed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just yeah. you know that that's ridiculous. You know, it, and here's here's the attitude i've i've developed over the years because of how i was raised and the the situation i was raised in and the situation that through yes partially my own decisions totally take responsibility for that I've, i find myself in but there's also oh, yeah. a lot of there's also a lot of just bullshit that happened that i had no control over that i've just had to try to deal with the best i can i have developed an attitude of i don't want anything new because once I get used to having something, when it gets taken away from me, I get abnormally angry about it. I get pissed off that I live in a fucking apartment with no air conditioning in the year 2017. Mm-hmm. That I'm sitting in a 90-degree apartment sweating my ass off right now. That pisses me off. Okay. If I would never lived in air conditioning, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't know any better. So I almost feel sure. like I'd rather walk around being blissfully ignorant i never wanted a smartphone i had a dino phone a dino phone until what was it 2014 and a buddy of mine said dude come on man seriously you you 
I mean, it's not even a flip phone. It was one of those slide phones that you slid up and you had the QWERTY keyboard. <laughs> and he's like, dude, seriously, you got to upgrade that. Here, here's, here's an old phone. You can't play any games on it. You can't take pictures with it because you don't have enough onboard memory, but it might last a year or so. And it ended up lasting me three years. You know, and then I finally had to buy a new one. And I went and bought a $100 fucking phone. Nothing right. fancy. No, no big bells and whistles. Not wa- waterproof, drop proof, none of that shit. And yes, I do have things that I will spend money on that are my hobbies. All right. But I've never put those hobbies before rent, bills. Right, right. Yeah. Medication I need. No, I'm not going to lie. There's been times I'm like, I'm going to be eating sandwiches all week if I go buy this video game. But I don't mind eating sandwiches all week for this video game. But, I mean, that's a conscious choice I made. It wasn't, uh, I need to fucking pay my rent or have my or, or or have food or pay my electricity or be able to right. eat this week. Or just, you know, the idea that you can, uh, well, sure, if you... If you just lived like a monk, you know, if you didn't have any of the, you know, the modern conveniences that we have in America, in this world, in this day, then, yeah, you'd have a lot more money. Well, I mean, sure. I haven't... And, I but, have, but, like... Have you, when's of, the last time you had cable? When's the last time you had, honest to God, not bullshit basic cable that came in a package deal? I'm talking full-on... You got a pay. T- you got like an HBO or a Cinemax or a Showtime channel. You got a cable box, cable. Um. Well, I kind I have it now, but I don't use it. Is it part of the I'd, package? Was it cheaper just to get it with the package type sh- situation? Yeah, I wanted the fast internet, and they're like, you get it with this package where we give you like fifty some odd channels, and I was like, okay. And I, I hooked up the box. And I was like, well, you know, if something happens on the news, I can like turn on the TV and watch the news. And then I just noticed that it's just always on. Even when you shut the cable box off, the light's still on, and the thing was practically hot to the touch constantly, and it drove me nuts that it was just sitting there sucking power and doing nothing. So I just disconnected it. <laughs> At least you didn't get high like my one buddy because you thought it, the cable box was watching you. <laughs> yeah. Turn that shit off, man. It's, it's, it's watching us. Like, all right, man, calm down. We'll turn it off. But no, I mean, honestly, I haven't, I haven't had cable since 2013. And, you know, I, I, and I wouldn't consider cable that's packaged with internet with 50 channels to be full on cable. Cause I go over to my friend's house and I sit down and I look and they go, Hey, I'm going to go take a shower or something, flip through TV, watch whatever you want. And I'm looking at five, 600 channels. And I'm going, Jesus fucking Christ. And when I come out of the shower, I'm like, how much you pay for cable? $200 a month. Get the fuck out of my face, man. $200 right. a month for cable? Well, well, part of my my math on this was that my bundle included HBO for a year. And I looked at, well, I'm already paying $15 a month for HBO. So I, if I back that out of the cost, I'm actually saving money by doing it. Now, when this package is up and they go... Well, here's your hundred and twenty dollar cable bill. I'm like, see ya. Yeah, I'm gonna Deuces. go back. I'm not paying that. I'm gonna, right, I'm fine with my. I got HBO, I got Netflix, Showtime, and if you ever want to decide to get your shit together, AMC, I'll pay you money to just watch your shows. In the meantime, I'm not getting a big bundle to do well, that. 
Well, see, and this is, and to me, this to, to, to bring it back to the whole thing with healthcare, this is what irritates yeah, me. Yeah, we're so, off topic. <laughs> well, in, in, in a way, yes, but in another way, no, because we constantly hear in this country, and probably in, it's probably safe to say in Western culture, especially these days, that people who are in positions of privilege are making decisions for people who are not, a.k.a. men are deciding what women can do with their body. Straight white men are making decisions that affect gay people. All right. Now, what is a bigger position of privilege than being someone like John McCain, who's never worked in a job that wasn't a government job? You and I understand that was no fucking cakewalk. All right. But he didn't get out of the fucking military and go start working at Ford. No, he went right into politics. He's never worked mm-hmm. in the private sector. Right. right? And, and, and I don't mean to pick on McCain, but it's just a, he's the perfect example of someone who's had nothing but government benefits, government privilege when it comes to that shit. Outside of his time as a POW and outside of his time in combat, making decisions for people who he doesn't understand what it's like to be. Because as much as he, he could go, I was a POW, I understand what it's like to be abused and beaten and starved. Okay, but that's a prisoner of war situation. Okay, we're not, we're talking about people who were born into abject poverty. You know, I'm talking people who we, that we overlook, that we're considered working poor, and yet these people are even lower on the fucking socioeconomic scale than us. People who have to run extension cords into their house so they have electricity. People who, you know, live in boarded up fucking abandoned houses and shit and if you don't think it happens go to baltimore go to go to, to the old coastal cities and look at those abandoned row houses there's people living in them there's there are people stealing electricity there are utility you know stealing utilities there are appliances in them fucking places and they live there and that's where the fuck the, it's what that's how they live and this is th- these people have no say so in how in any control over anything in their life except for what they do. And to make it worse, the people above them are the ones making decisions who have no idea what it's like to be them. Oh well, we're going to cut their fucking healthcare funding because you know they're buying too many iPhones. Or oh my God, they have a you know a twenty-seven inch flat screen TV. You know what a twenty-seven inch flat screen TV cost? It costs nothing. Because people give them the fuck away on Craigslist. All right? right. Yeah. All right. Don't act like I'm fucking big balling because I have a TV that's been obsolete for fucking seven years now. Right. I mean, I've got, a, I've got, I don't know, it's fairly modest compared to these days, but it's somewhere in the 40-ish range flat screen. Um, gosh, it's fairly old by now. But I picked it up a uh, few months ago when I moved, along with my Yamaha surround sound system. I mean, total, like, 200 bucks between the two items, I believe, mm-hmm. on Craigslist, you know? Not going out and dropping $1,000 on some, you know, extremely high-def OLED whatever the fuck at Best Buy. Not putting it on the charge. I mean, also, again, I'm also not living like a monk. I mean, sure, I could say I could not have... You know, any TV shows to watch, not buy any comic books, not have a TV, a nice stereo, and I could just spend all that money on health care. And I could have health care. But you know what? 
I also don't believe that it would make one shit difference to the quality of my life other than I have nothing to fuck to do with my life. I'm not saying I live for entertainment, but like it does make a lot of the, the grief of life bearable, let's face it. I mean, these are, these are escapes. And if it's not escaping to a book or a television or a movie program or, uh, I mean, <laughs> TV program or a movie... Or, or something, then maybe it's going to be alcohol or drugs or some other way that I'm going to find an escape that could potentially fuck up my life. You know, there's an old saying from so, a very old blues song called that, 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 that went, everybody's got their something. And that's, right, right. that's the honest to God's truth. Everybody and, has their something that gets them through the day. Right, and so anyone anyone can take those words and twist them too into, uh, well, okay, so it's either, you know, if you don't have your TV, then you're a drug addict? Well, what does that say about you? No, like, there's just, everybody's got to have some kind of release. I mean, for most people, that release has something to do with not working, not doing something for somebody else doing something that's a little selfish. But you need to have that balance in your life. I mean, other people that are super successful, they get that high out of just being involved in their work. And that's why they're successful. That's a minority of people, though. One of, one, they, of the, one of the scariest realizations I've came to in the last 10 years of my life is that people who, and I'm not talking wealthy people, I'm not talking Rockefellers, Trump, I'm talking people who, you know, married, no kids, and they make, and they make you know, combined low $200,000 a year. Unless they're living way above their means, they really don't think about money. Broke to right. them means they only have $3,000 in the savings account, or excuse me, $3,000 in the checking account, right. and, you know, 40000 in the savings account, but they're not touching the savings account because that's... They're in their starter home. First of all, if you use the term starter home to describe the house you just bought, <laughs> me and you don't have a lot in common when it comes to shit like, like that. That's just all there is to it. I mean, my, you know, my parents bought their home, and if it wasn't for the divorce, probably, and they'd have stayed married, Probably one of them would have lived in it till the day that they, they, they died, you know. And if they died when they did, my dad would have died first, my mom would have died last, and then it had been my house to deal with. And that's just the way it is. There, there was no starter home. There was no. We're going to buy this and flip this in three years and make money and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, that's just not. This is the difference in the people that. The people at the top are talking like, why can't you just be like us? Have you tried not being poor? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it's but it's like, pretty it doesn't clear work by... that way for a lot of people, man. Most people, even people that work at Ford, I guarantee you, someone listening right now who works on the line at Ford, even, even if they got in before they, they, they did all the layoffs and they cut benefits and shit, aren't living as well as someone who works as a regional manager of a fucking grocery store like Albertsons or Kroger or something. And those two worlds, to me, might as well be the same because I've never been in either of those worlds making that much money. But if you were to ask 
the, the person that works at Ford and the person who's a regional manager, they would say, we, no, we're completely separate worlds. But to me, it's just, holy shit. You mean you actually pay your bills and you don't wait until the shutoff notice shows up? Holy fuck, how does that happen? <laughs> you know? I mean, there was an old Roseanne skit about it. When, I think it was one of the first episodes of her show. She said, her and Dan sat down to pay bills. She said, this is how we're going to pay bills. We're going to send the, the check for the electric company to the phone company. The check for the phone company to the gas company. We're going to forget to sign the check for the mortgage. <laughs> we're going to do this and it's going to buy us <laughs> enough time to, until we got enough money to cover everything in a couple weeks. <laughs> nice. People laughed at it. Right, that was my family's true. life. I watched yeah. them do that. Yeah. I, I, it's just... Well, I don't know. You know, one thing that's pretty clear through this process of them trying to get something done with healthcare is that none of these thoughts are in anybody's head about how this is actually going to affect people's lives. This isn't about... It, this is so far removed from any of the people that it's actually going to affect. It, it's fairly clear that they started trumpeting a an Obamacare repeal because that was something that got traction with the base. But when it came right down to it, nobody has any clue what this, uh, this repeal and re or in replace or even repeal now, leave it to just rot and fester and get worse and then try and come up with something down the line. And how could you possibly think that these people have your best interest in mind? Well, also, this is something that, that cracks me up. When I listen to a few other different podcasts, a couple of the hosts bitch about how much they pay for health care per month mm -hmm. and how shitty it is and how little it does for them. And I hear them say they want $900 a month and my, and my health care is shit, my deductible's high, and it's garbage. And I'm going $900 a month, huh? If you can afford to pay $900 a month and still keep a roof over your head and your bills paid and your car note, and your car insurance and food and your fucking refrigerator, yeah. you're doing pretty well in my book because I walked in, they told me $1,200 a month, and I said, so in other words, I'll have health care, but I'll live on the street right. or, in, or in my car that I can't afford car insurance in because that's the only way mm -hmm. you're getting $1,200 a month from me. And... These people are angry because they're like, why do I have to pay for poor people? Okay, I understand that. But what is, this, what, is, what is the alternative? Give me an alternative that is viable, logical, and reasonable. And letting people fucking die because you don't want to fucking pay, it, it, that's, that's off the table. Because I don't care what you pay in health insurance eventually. If you get sick enough, you're going to need some help. Believe me, get diagnosed with stage four metastatic cancer and see if your health insurance is going to cover everything. And yeah, and not and you're not a senator. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And 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 see just how how the bills start piling up because when your insurance company goes, well, we'll cover this, but mm -mm, we're not covering that. Right. Yeah, but this is what this is what the, all the doctors agree on. I have second, third, fourth opinions that this is what. If this treatment will help me live, yeah, well, we're not covering that. So I don't know. You better mm -hmm. find a way to pay for that yourself. But I, I don't think it's going to change until you make 
the, the people that are making these laws have the same health care as everybody else has. They have no incentive. They have incentive to vote on something that they can take back to their supporters and say, look, you know, this is what you wanted and we gave it to you. That's their incentive on it. But to actually make sure that it looks out for anybody in this country, that it's going to be worth it for people to to pay anything for health care and that they're going to get good results from it, they have no built-in incentive to do that. They are protected no matter what. And it's a, it's the same thing with the Democrats, man. The, oh, definitely. The, they're, they're, they, roll, they roll out their, their new message this week about the better deal. And I'm like, look, this all sounds well and good, but if you really wanted to do something about changing the system and making it work for people, then you've got to ta- you've got to start talking about getting the money out of politics, getting the money out of these races. And they're not, because there's plenty of Democrats, as much as there are Republicans, that are getting rich off of that process. Whether it's getting some kind of kickback or not, whether they're playing it straight by the rules or not, there's a big part of them that's in there for. I mean, look, it's. Not only do you get a decent pay, and a lot of, like we said before, in a lot of these situations, you get a pension and a place to live. Sometimes, even you, you're set. Well, you damn and sure then, get and, secret and service fucking and protection for the rest of your fucking life. Or, or, or even when, yeah, when you're out of, you've got so many connections from your your cloud as a politician that you can do all kinds of shit to make money. On top of that. So, I mean, some of this, you're, it's impossible to get out of. I mean, some of it's just built into it, you know. There's a certain celebrity around being a politician of a certain stature, and you're going to get book deals, and you're going to get paid to go around and make speeches, and people want you on their, their board of directors for their, their company because it looks good. You're never going to get rid of all that stuff. But if you're really serious about making... A change for in government that makes it work for people. You start with getting it out of the the races, that the, well the the political races. I mean, yeah. That and start just publicly funding them and make them reasonable and not a and not being the the fundraising the biggest part of the race. But they're just playing right into it. You know, the, the Republicans that they all think oh you know this. This uh, um, uh, this race is going to decide what 2018 is going to look like, so we have to make sure that it goes our way. And they funnel millions of dollars into this, and the Democrats have to turn around and do the same thing and raise all this money to try and beat them. And it's all about just who has the, the most exposure and coverage and gets their, their name out there. Well, see, and, th- and this this plays into something I wanted to bring up to you because, and it's I think it's good that we that I do it this week because if Chris was here, I can pretty much guarantee I know his answer. <laughs> but okay, I'm almost to the point where I've lost complete faith in our fucking political system, and I don't see a reason to vote from here on out because it and and, and just let me let me you know say why I feel that way. I feel like no matter what we do, it's going to be two parties, 
and we're going to be voting on what type of sprinkles we want on our donuts, but the donut never changes. And at this point, I don't care about the sprinkles. The sprinkles, I don't, I, I'm so sick of people's pet issues. I'm so sick of, you know, we need different bathrooms for this person and, 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 and transgenders in the military and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, look, okay, I understand. These issues, yes, they are important. But what's more important? Our survival as a fucking, as a, as a, as a country, as a group of people in this country, the ability for us to continue to have upward mobility is, or, or are we going to sit here and argue about shit that means something to a percentage of a percentage of the people to the point where now we're voting on issues because one side's Nazis, one side's bunch of fucking fascists, and fuck them both. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm to the point where I'm like, I don't, I, I don't see the point in voting, especially on a national level. Because I don't see any change. Since I have been a child, I've talked to people older than me from all political points on the political spectrum. It's just gotten worse and worse. Even Chris, even Chris, Mr. Mr. Any, that's the one thing Chris and I, when it comes to the Sporgy podcast, if it's an argument between management and the players, Chris is more likely to side with the management, and I'm more likely to side with the players. Even Chris mm-hmm. has to admit, Mr. Apologize, you know, I'm not going to call him an apologist for fucking managers and job creators and all that, but he definitely has a lot more empathy for him than I do. But even he has to admit that the, the wage divide has grown to the point where it's, if this was 300 years ago, heads would be rolling in the street. Mm-hmm. Because it would be unacceptable. Well, right, and part of the the better deal that the Democrats are pushing now is uh, one of their platform issues is a fifteen dollar minimum wage nationally. And I know that's something that we've we've disagreed about a lot on. But I, I, I mean, I, I, let me I, hear your thoughts I, on it. <laughs> This is how I've always looked at the $15 minimum wage. When you go in for a negotiation, you ask for more than you want. I, I, $15 is ridiculous. And my problem is to people who say, why should a guy flipping burgers make $15 when a guy who works in an ambulance only makes $15? Well, then the guy in the ambulance should be making 25 It's ridiculous that we expect people to save our lives for $15 an hour. All right. Did 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 everyone right. fall asleep during that point in Fight Club when they kidnapped the guy, the bougie motherfucker from the Sedity Committee, little fucking two thousand dollar plate fundraiser, took him in the bathroom, tied a rubber band around his nuts, and said, "We're the ones that protect you while you sleep. We're the ones that feed you. We're the ones that take your trash out. Do not fuck with us." That right. was the to me. That was yes. I understand. There's a ton of 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 of, of you know. Currents rolling underneath the main point of that book slash movie. But that was one of the biggest points was, look, there are more of us than you. You may be an elephant, but we get enough ants together, and we're going to eat your fucking ass. Don't give Mm -hmm. us a reason to. And we've been given nothing but reasons to. And this is, once again, from all over the political spectrum, I've heard this. Since basically, if you really want to get down to it, the Johnson administration... And it really, we had this, we had this in the group chat, we had this discussion. You say, 
it really ramped up with Nixon. I say it really ramped up well with, with, with big white daddy Reagan. That's when that's when corporations were like, we got our boy in the White House. Mm. Oh, well, yeah, I, I, you know, I was talking out of my ass, but we were talking about the, the growing wage divide, and Chris had said, you know, I, it happens under Clinton, it happens under Obama the same way it happens under Bush and now Trump, and... He's like, so what? What's the fucking difference? And I had said that I, I would guess that it goes back to you know it's continued to increase since Nixon. I don't know that I wasn't necessarily saying that Nixon had any a heavier hand in that than any other politician because I don't know, but I don't. I guess I, I don't see it as a left or right issue. It's the the wage divide seems to be just a trajectory that this country is going to continue to be on until something radical happens. Well, I was going to say, okay, getting back to the, like I said, the whole fifteen dollars an hour thing, right? It one of the things that I, that that the issue I have is not that. I, I think someone should be able to support a family of four on fifteen dollars an hour, or on a, on a minimum wage job. Okay, I'm realistic enough to know that that's that's just that's just unrealistic. Okay, right. Uh-huh. However, we do have a serious issue with inflation. The fact that thirty years ago five dollars went a fuck of a lot farther than it goes now. Once again, we're getting into the economy being its own entity. Right. But. It, it, I don't hear anyone at the top. And if you're at the top, supposedly you're the brightest of the bright. You're the best of the best. That's the way it's that's the way it's presented to us. Now that's not the way it is. We all know that, but that's the way it's presented to us. Okay, so I'm gonna go on how it's presented to me. Why am I not hearing solutions to take care of problems like this from the people at the top? I'm hearing rumblings from people at the bottom who are going, We're getting fucking tired of this shit. And a lot of people got so tired of it that they were willing to vote for a fucking idiot who looks like a goddamn Cheeto with a fucking wig on to get something different in there. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if it wasn't for the for the, the behind-the-scenes fuckery in the Democratic Party, we might be looking at this situation with Bernie. And here's the bitch of it. Here's something that I've had discussions with all the Bernie supporters, the hardcore Bernie supporters I know, and they're still out there. What would you do Nine months into after the election of Bernie, and he's sitting here and he can't get a goddamn thing done himself. And shit hasn't improved. And the future doesn't look any brighter than it does with Trump. What the fuck would you do? Because at a certain point, don't don't we have to look around and go, this isn't working. This is we've put the system in place, but the system has been in place for so long. People have figured out so many ways to work around it and to and to 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 circumvent it for their own personal gain that we need to do something about it. And that's what scares me because the amount of bullshit the American people will put up with as long as we get our bread and circuses is amazing. And it really it, it it's something that I'm I'm uncomfortably I'm a hypocrite about myself. Hey, new game of thrones comes on. I want to watch that. I don't want to think about the fucking politics and all this nonsense for at least an hour. I want to watch Game of Thrones or the new, you know, 
Silicon Valley's on. Everybody shut up. I want to laugh for half an hour. But all it is is distractions from the reality that the world that we knew is gone. And all we're getting is hollow promises and messages of just keep hope alive. But at a certain point, hope without having hope without a plan is a is a wish. And we we you know keep hope alive. What's the plan? Give me something to base my hope on. It, uh, this is why I have a problem with with religion. Have faith. Have faith that when you die, you go to heaven. What is that based on? What facts do you have that? Well, nothing. It's based on faith. Well, then I'm not going to bother with it. And you know, fifteen dollars an hour. It does sound good to people making fucking what was minimum wage eight forty right now. Problem is, mm -hmm. is that yes, Chris, Christian, you are right. The minute 50, it's fifteen dollars an hour, the people at the top aren't going to let aren't going to take that pay raise to the people at the bottom out of their fucking profits. They're going to no, raise yeah, the like prices so their profits keep being as high as they are. Right, and that's what I said. Like the. I don't think the government has the capability. I mean, certainly they have the capability. They have oversight and some degree of control over um, how business is done in this country and the rights of individuals, certainly, as well. But when it comes to trying to find that balance of what, uh, what corporations and small businessmen and everyone else should be paying their employees in order to try and rectify a situation where inflation is growing at a, at a rate higher than wages. And meanwhile, the income gap continues to widen. It, the, only, <laughs> the only people that can do that are the people, the individual workers. I know it doesn't seem like, as an individual, you have that much power. What can one person do against a big corporation what am I supposed to be fucking Aaron Brockovich over here but you make these decisions daily many times a day sometimes and it's how you decide to spend your dollar right I don't necessarily buy into this thing where like Walmart has uh, they're in this cycle of like well they they underpay their employees, which, by the way, then also get government benefits to make up the difference, so they might as well be subsidized by the, the government, and also are the only place in the, in the area where people can get everything super cheap. Well, I'm, I'm a pretty thrifty guy, and you know I, I will hold off to find the right deal on something but I'm not also not dumb enough to drive out of my way to get cheaper gas, to spend more in gas <laughs> to get the cheaper gas, right? I understand yeah. that there's, there's a balance to everything. And, you know, maybe not shopping at Walmart or knowing a little bit about the, the companies that you are spending your, your hard-earned dollars at, how they conduct business, how they treat their employees, this is not hard to, shit to find out especially if they're a big nationwide or sometimes even multinational company. This information is all out there. And you could choose to go, you know what, okay, maybe it actually does cost me a little bit more in gas. I mean, fuck it, gas is, is cheap and subsidized by the government as well. So you'll spend 50 cents, a dollar more, go a little bit out of your way, buy your groceries someplace else that's not Walmart, buy your other stuff someplace else that's not Walmart. 
maybe you do spend a little bit more money, but think of that as an investment in you, your country, and everybody else. What do you want the corporations that, that do business in your country and take advantage of your tax dollars that go to pay the roads and pay for you know electrical lines and all this shit that all these businesses are taking advantage of what do you want them to look like and how do you want them to conduct business you're not in, enslaved to Walmart just because they they uh, you know made a, a big super center in the middle of nowhere that carries everything and it's all super cheap so people had to buy it right no you have a fucking choice you have a choice to continue to support that mom and pop or that independently owned grocery store or to go to Walmart simply because you get it a little bit cheaper. And as much as we t- have talked about the plight of poor people in this nation, I'm, I, don't, I see that as a, as a line that you don't have to cross. You know, It's not about like, well, I either eat at Walmart or I don't get enough groceries to feed my family. Like, no, these are small sacrifices. Sure, everything adds up. But if your grocery de- bill is like 5 or $10 more because you shopped somewhere at a business that you wanted to support, that can make all the difference. And this even build, it, it works its way up to even not only what your dollar is worth, but what an individual is worth. Because now you start promoting companies that are treating their employees well, paying them appropriately, willing to say, no, we don't need to do multi-million dollar payouts to our top executives. We'd rather disperse that money amongst the people who are on the front lines. Because these are options and there are companies out there that are doing business like this. And, and when, when, when it goes up to, I'll finish with real quick though, when it this works its way up to what the employee as an individual is worth and helps engender an environment where they feel like they're worth more money and are able to prove it. So that's how you get higher wages. It's not a direct line of somebody says, well, based on inflation, everybody should be making this. You know? You don't... When you're... When people are willing to settle for less money, I think they have to take a a look at their own choices and decide how much that played into it. As small as a little bit of dropping, what what does it fucking make a difference if I spend my... I'm just one guy. So I go to Walmart. I can't fight the system. I can't do anything about it. Well, that's a bullshit answer. So you're willing to succumb to the system that is presented to you. And I guess you get what you deserve. See, in the way I used to, the way I used to deal with that was outside of a handful of people in my family. My family worked all union jobs, whether it was Teamsters, auto, Auto Union, electricians union, mm-hmm. you know, what have you. And I was raised, hey, this, the, these unions made it possible for us to live as well as we've lived. So, blah. So Walmart to me was, okay, they don't have union workers. Right. Don't bother with them. I go to Meyer. Well, then I started talking to people that worked at Meyer, and they, I'm, you know, 
you know, yeah, I shop at Meyer all the time because, you know, they're unionized. And they're like, and our union doesn't do a goddamn thing for us. We don't make fucking better money. We don't get much better treatment than, than Walmart. We get marginally better treatment than Walmart. But if something happens, this isn't the union that you see and, you know, that you hear about in the, in the old Jimmy Hoffa Teamster days. They don't go to the fucking mattress for us. They don't fight for our jobs. They just roll over and fucking do whatever. It's, well, just right, so they, they, it's just so they can say to people in a very union area of the United States, a.k.a. southeastern Michigan, hey, here's an, op- here's an option to support a union. Come shop with us. And really, it's, it's, it, it's all just smoke and mirrors. And, th- and then I end up in a situation like, well, what the fuck do I do? Where do I go? I don't want to. Su- I don't want to support something like Walmart. Look, I, I know that one person can't make a difference to, to 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 stop Walmart from doing what they're doing, but I know that me going to Walmart isn't going to stop Walmart from doing what they're doing. So, I take no, my not. little itty bitty vote and I go someplace else. But if I'm going to do that and I'm going to make it that effort and it's a conscious effort, I want it to mean something and I want it to be moving towards a something better and when i find out it's no better at meyer so where do i go kroger aldi i mean eventually eventually (laughs) you know eventually i'm 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 shopping at like you know the party store deli god knows where (laughs) they got their meat but you know hey look it's mom and pop isn't it no i i I, i'm not saying that it it's always an easy decision either but you know listen the the I've said this before, but the most powerful attribute that humans have is adaptability. And you can get used to a lot of different situations and what feels like a major inconvenience or ridiculous thing to to ask of oneself to go out of their way or pay more for something just because you feel like that company aligns with your values more. Um, You know, I think you'd find that in a lot of cases, you just adapt, you know? I mean, to say that, like, the choice between Walmart and Meyer is the choice that you're dealt is not really truthful. And I'm, I'm not calling you a liar. I'm just saying if you, if you think about it and, like, there's more choices than just stores that have everything that you can get in one go, you know? Oh, Oh, definitely. And when, I'm, and when I said that, I, that's how I felt in my 20s. And when that's with a, a, right. a 20-something-year-old's limited vision of the world and limited exposure to the world. But, but I'm, I'm only using you as an example because, well, that's what I you just said. brought it up. It makes sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but there's a, I think that's the way a lot of people think. You know, when you think about um, food choices, well, I have to eat fast food because... That's the cheapest thing there is. Well, okay, but if you buy your food and make it, if you don't eat out a lot, you're probably going to eat healthier and you're going to spend less money even if you're just eating fast food. Well, that's not really... I don't always have that choice. No, none of us always have that choice. I ate like shit today and it was out of poor planning. The reason... I had Wendy's for lunch and I had some pizza too. And I'm not saying, I mean, I indulge myself with pizza and burgers. 
but it's not a daily thing for me anymore. And the reason I had both of those things today is because, well, part of it was paying for the car and everything. I budget stretched really thin, and I metaphorically uh, coasted into the driveway on empty, right into the next paycheck. And so I didn't have all the stuff to make the, the what I would normally make myself for lunch. So I ate like shit because I didn't prepare, right? But you know, to say to somebody, well, you know, pick a time, make it the night before, make it before, find a way to bring some ingredients and make it at work, make something work out that that's important to you that you don't want to spend so much money on your lunch. But you have options. Just plan a little bit, just a little bit of information and planning. Well, I come on, I have X amount of kids, or I have this, and I have these dogs, and everybody wants my attention in the morning, and I just barely get out on time. And look, it, don't talk to me about time. Nobody has time for an excuse. Fucking nobody. Everybody in this fucking country has time to sit down and watch. Binge watch multiple episodes of whatever the fuck they stream. And I'm not judging anybody on that. We've talked about this before. You know, this is... We need our escape. Poor, rich, middle class, whatever in this country. We all need escapes. But just don't talk to me about how I don't have time to improve this part of my life or, or, or do something that I feel like might change the way... Uh, in my own small way sure maybe it's just idyllic but does do something to change the way things are done in this country you just it's a bullshit excuse you have the information you have the time that's what we've worked to we have twisted and contorted our evolution in order to build these societies so that we could have enough leisure time to try and figure out what the fuck this all really means and what are we doing here and why are we doing any of this at all. And me as much as anybody, most of us are pissing that away. And, and I, we can't and am I going too abstract with this or do you follow me? No, I totally follow you. And it's and it's something that I that I said to a buddy of mine that I said, look, when I was a kid, <clears throat> you had, okay, if you wanted to go in the kitchen and make something, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, just to throw a number out there, 95% of the households in this country didn't have a television in the kitchen. Had no way right. to watch something while they're doing, while they're cooking or prepping uh, to make dinner. We had whatever. one TV, but it was small enough to move from room to room when, appro- when appropriate. <laughs> I, okay, and then, and, well, I mean, but still, it's like, are you really going to get up and move the TV just to make a grilled cheese sandwich so you can watch TV? I mean, at that point, I, I don't think when I was a kid, I was I had that short of an attention span where I was like, my mom's like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, make well, it like and cheese, a- but I need the TV in here. <laughs> it's not but like you had a DVR. You know, but nowadays, I'm like, I can download a fucking app. Like, let's just say HBO Go. Right. I get home from work. Yeah, you know the the new Game of Thrones come on. All right, so I, you know my phone, tablet, whatever the fuck, laptop, something that's portable. Take it, set it on the fucking counter, start the fucking shit, 
and go about making dinner. And I can knock out two things at the same time. It's laziness when I don't do it. And I realize that. Right. And that's something that I don't, I guarantee, there's not a lot of people that will admit that they're that fucking lazy to go, I just don't want to fucking do it. I just want to sit down and watch TV and relax. Why do I have to fucking, I've been on my feet all day at work, multitasking all day at work. Why do I got to fucking multitask when I come home? Well, then you know what? Then it's not that important for you to make dinner and, and not eat fast food. So don't, don't, don't bitch and cry about eating fast food. Right. Everything's based on one's priorities. Now, I mean, as we're sitting here talking, you've reminded me of something that makes me want to kick myself in my own dick, but it's physically impossible. I'm just not that (laughs) flexible. Um, Well, well, trust me, there's a a bit of uh, self-loathing in my venom here. We're all guilty. It it bled over into me because I'm sitting here like, God damn. Two weeks ago, I was thinking, you know what I need to do? I need to go out and buy shit to make some fucking spaghetti sauce. Make a big ass pot of it, just like I did. Like you know, I, I eat once a month, three pounds of ground beef, pound of fucking ground sausage, cook it up, couple jars of spaghetti sauce, boom. I can freeze what I don't use immediately. I can have spaghetti. I can make fucking other dishes from it. I you know, I, whatever the fuck I want to do. And when when I went back to work and started working more hours, I just didn't do it. Out of pure fucking laziness. And then, honestly, it just slipped my fucking mind because I didn't think to do it. But when I, but what I'm saying is when I first thought to do it, I was like, eh, I don't feel like it. And then eventually it's just, eh, fuck it. I didn't even think about it. I just came home, sit down, fucking turn on the TV, or, you know, the TV, you know what I mean, the screen and watch whatever the fuck and zone yeah. the fuck out in front of it. And it's like, yeah, that type of shit, that type of shit, when people level that type of criticism at people is valid but at the same time I, I want to go how many of you people do the same fucking thing well, it's right. just, it's just well, you got the money to go out to eat and sit at a, at a sit down fucking place maybe not a fancy one maybe it's an Applebee's or Red Robin whatever the fuck versus right. going to a McDonald's and eating off the dollar menu well, because our adaptability is not only our greatest strength but it's our greatest weakness it's the double-edged sword, as they say. And because we, can, we are adaptable enough to go, like, it's actually fairly easy if you're consistent and regular about it to change your diet or change the way you do anything. You just have to, to be diligent about it. But it's also just as easy for us to adapt into situations where we work around it. And, you know, I mean, I do that shit with my car. Look... Is it ideal that it makes this like chugging thing? No, but the fucking thing starts, and I find out if I just kind of lean on the gas a little bit while I'm stopped, I can get it to not chug, and I work with it. Should I be, you know, trying to hunt down a better car ultimately because this thing is on its last leg? Yes, ideally, but I learn to live with it. There's certain things that we learn to live with, certain things that you should learn to just, you know, things that you can't change that you should learn to live with, but. You know, as, as much as I am not really religious in the least, in most cases, probably anti-religious, there are some pearls of wisdom in there. And what's the, the really well-known prayer? The grace to, you know, change the things that I can and understand the, 
Or, oh, or forget about the serenity prayer. Yeah, serenity I can't even. Prayer, yeah. I can't recite it from memory, but I've seen it many times, and I'm like, that is like the smartest thing any religion has ever said. That's practically, I mean, you could just take God out of that, and this is just a sane way to live your life. There's an element of that to it, but... And 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 to be completely honest with you, that's one of the things. Even though no, I don't go to any twelve-step programs anymore. It's one of the mm-hmm. things that I took from it was: look, anyone that tells you you are in complete control of your life at all times is either trying to tell you something or trying to sell you something, or excuse me, is bullshitting you or trying to sell you something. You are never in complete control of your own life. There are things that are going to happen to a human being that is outside of their control. And there is a point where worrying about it and obsessing about it and getting depressed, angry, whatever, is going to be counterproductive and is going to hurt you more than just going, well, fuck. All I can do is... It's, 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 uh, the analogy I give is you, you own a house in Florida. And I used to go through this at least once a year. We weren't that far off from the fucking coast. Hurricane coming your way. What am I going to do? D- dig up the foundation of the house and move it? No. You batten down the hatches and you hope for the fucking best. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's what you do. You can't control if that hurricane's going to hit you dead on or if it's going to pass you. All you can do is brace yourself and try to minimize the damage it could do if it does hit you. Yeah, yeah, and and you're you're absolutely right. Fear is the crux of how to interrupt that decision making uh, that people have to do. What things can I change, and what things can I not change? Well, you can get them to forget about that argument completely just by throwing in a little bit of fear of you know whatever other people you want to present. Brown people are coming over the border. The black people are revolting. The poor people are revolting. And, you know, it's not... to try. I want to try and actually transition, because this makes me think about our anniversary here in our, our local city of Detroit, of the riots. But it's not just the politicians lying to you in order to just get you to vote out of fear it's completely counterproductive to actually solving any of these issues it's kind of the same situation that I saw this nation in post 9-11 which with Bush in charge and you know uh, a lot of us in support of him Still, there is this this engendering of fear in the nation that was able to obscure the real re- reason why any any of this was happening, any terrorism in general. We wanted answers, and so the government made up answers that would seem to placate the nation. And really, it's just don't worry about it. Daddy's got it take the Amex and go out shopping. And in the meantime, I mean, pass a lot of unconstitutional legislation 
based on on people's fears. And well, Aaron, if you it, have nothing it, to hide, you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> well, right, but yeah, I mean, it was the same th- type of thing that was happening in Detroit here, you know, and we had a, a riot occur in this. The I mean, riots were occurring all over the country at this time. This was a a moment of unrest in major cities across the nation. And it was only really a question of when it was going to happen in Detroit. i take a drink real quick. I can hear my own lack of saliva. <laughs> and when it finally did happen, it was one of the... Well, I think at the time it was the deadliest, may even be the deadliest riot. I don't know if uh, LA's ever topped us on that. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at statistics. But, I mean, here we are 50 years later, and we can't even agree on what to call it. I Thank you. We still have no fucking idea of what really happened in there even though I mean I watched the documentary I had a pretty good understanding of it in general I've I've read many different accounts of what happened and um, I think it was Channel 7 that had about an hour and a half long documentary very well done it was um, it was just all like footage and photos and shit and Accounts from people who were there that experienced it. Um, you know, kind of a more dry Ken Burns style, you know, PBS documentary. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of hyper dramatic music and not a lot of people on camera. The exact opposite of the Defiant Ones. Think that. <laughs> but, but, I mean, very well done. And, you know, they set up the what started the riot as a um i mean you have to start with a lot of different types of pop of people a lot of different types of races all flooding into a city looking for jobs in in automotive industry and others but what they set up right before the actual riots happened it's not just like hey we shoved a bunch of people of different color that may not have gotten along all that well and here's what happened they tell the story of what the police were doing before the riots. They were seeing black people revolt in in major uh, cities all across the nation, and they said, "Not in our city. This can't happen in Detroit." Not only that, we're going to make sure it doesn't happen, and we're going to crack down twice as bad on the Negro to make sure he doesn't get any bright ideas. And that's what caused the riot. And that's what also made it escalate to the point where where uh, you had the bloodiest of all the riots happen in the city. And that was, to me, the, the that riot was, it was a moment when a group of people understood that there were things that they could change right that 
they may have said the serenity prayer to themselves and understood that, you know, government and the police were just something that went into that category of, you know, the things that I cannot change. These are things that I just have to accept living in the city. <laughs> you, you're giving that whole situation a lot more credit than I am. I don't think anyone had any serenity during that situation. But I, I get you. Go ahead. I'm, I'm talking about the lead up. I'm talking about what led to it, right? But then mm-hmm. collectively, people started to think, you know what? We can change this. It might take some scary shit. Might be willing to, you know, do some shit that looks unexplainable to the outside world, the people who haven't grown up in this city. Why would you burn, you know, burn cars and build whole blocks of buildings just decimated? But it was, uh, you know, it was an understanding that one group of people used fear to limit the choices of another until that other group of people realized that they actually did have other choices. I know that's really oversimplifying something and I I kind of I'm wandering a little bit because it's getting late but <laughs> I do want to get back to the idea that nobody can agree on if this was just a riot or an uprising what's there's a there's another there's a third term that I'm forgetting isn't there uh, the um, BBC used it I can't off the top of my head let's see if I can find that article real quick because yeah everything I saw the, the movement uh, um, well I mean if you want to get the some of the more militant Views have, you know, they called it a reckoning, et cetera, et cetera. BBC called it a civil unrest. They're calling it, or excuse me, just unrest. I, I guess that's a that's a polite term to the BBC. I mean, I, I look to call it an uprising. What the fuck did they uprise to? What the fuck did what the fuck was one? Because here's my problem with the aftermath of the riots. It set up the suburbs versus the city, and it set it up for a no-win situation, and it set it up for opportunists to come in and exploit the anger and the hatred and the fear of people in that situation. Mm-hmm. Well, th- that's why this is such a dangerous game that the government plays, though, because th- the government, the fact that we have a government, is only a construct in our collective minds. And what this really is, I mean, call it what you want, but it's a group of people that stop believing in the government. When you, think, when you realize that the government really isn't doing all that much for you, you stop buying into the system. Now, you can say, well, well what does it matter? You know, there's always going to be some hippie dropouts or some poor people who just think that the government's always against them. No, that's a... That's a dangerous thing that you have there. You have a group of your, your, your population that isn't bought into this imaginary thing that keeps us all going in this society. This idea that we all believe in the government and that the government works and it works in a certain way that we can 
not universally agree on in this nation, but we've managed to keep it together so far. It's just words on paper. It's ideas. And a a group of people in your country that stop believing in that idea is a cancer. And if that group of people is able to come up with a better idea, that's a malignant cancer that spreads. And I'm using... I, I realize it sounds like a very unfair comparison makes it sound like any civil rights movement is a cancer. And it also makes me think of people that say um, feminism is cancer, which is one of the worst and most ignorant statements I've ever heard. But it's a poor analogy, but I don't know what else spreads like fucking cancer. So my question question first and foremost is, okay, so the 67 riots happen. Right. Now, my family were, I guess, early adopters of moving to the suburbs because of the nature of why the fuck should I drive all this distance because my job's out in the suburbs when we lived in the city. Original white flighters. I I mean, to be honest with you, uh, my dad's side, they moved from the south up here right around World War II. After World War II, when they started getting hired in at the at the audit for the automotive industry, they moved to the suburbs. I don't know how much of that was based on race because at that point, because there was well, riots forty seven in Detroit, and it, Detroit was nowhere near as black as it was twenty years later, as I'm far not, as population. Right, but you know what happened with housing in Detroit was. And I'm not pointing fingers at any of your relatives saying that they're you know, involved in any of this. But there were people, I mean, there was an organized movement to give, uh, to lower the price of housing for white people in the suburbs, right? There was an economic advantage for them to move out of the city and for minorities to stay in the city, Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, my grandfather and my dad's side, they they bought the plot of land in Garden City, and mm-hmm. they, he built a house, and it's still standing to this day. I mean, him and him and, and, and few other family members did everything, framed it, laid the you know foundation, et cetera, et cetera, and built a house. And I can go drive by it to this day. My mom's side of the family, I'm not sure. I know they lived in Southwest. I know that they lived in Corktown. And next thing I know, boom, in my family history, everybody was just in the suburbs. Now, my thing with it was this. Okay. So the 67 riots happen and the white flight happens. All right. There's always been... Uh, I think the white flight took off like a rocket and it was already beginning... But it definitely before happened, the riots, it, it definitely it, it definitely happened in mass after '67. Yes, yes, but it was already in progress. And there's always been a level of disdain coming from black leaders in the city of Detroit. Some old time, some old timers in the city of Detroit. Whenever white flight is mentioned, and it's like, okay, all right, I understand that. You feel like you're being abandoned. You feel like, well, fuck it. You know, these people are running off. But then there was also a group of people who were like, good, get the fuck out of our city, white boys. 
We don't want your cracker ass motherfuckers here. Okay, whatever. Now, fast forward, what, 30, 35 years, and you start seeing businesses come down back to come back to Detroit. Start trying to to put money back into the city, move corporate headquarters of things back into the city, and you hear the generation of the people who were saying white flight with disdain in their voice now spit the word gentrification at them. And it's like, you realize you set up a no-win situation, right? If they stayed, they were idiots. We didn't want you here and you stayed. The fuck out of our neighborhood. If they left, it's white flight. If they stay in the, in, the, in the suburbs and they keep their money in the suburbs and they keep expanding the suburbs farther and farther out into the rural, rural, rural areas, a.k.a. Tom Monahan with the, you know, the Domino's Ranch, and keep expanding outward and building new you know, headquarters out that way instead of coming back to the city, well, then they're abandoning us. They don't care about us. There's no justice. There's just us. If they come back down and they put the money back into the city, it's gentrification. It's a no-win situation. It's goalpost moving. It's a game that's set up for no one to win. It's a game set up for politicians to go, for the, for the, the Coleman Youngs to go, see, them fuckers across eight mile and across telegraph you can't trust them white fuckers and it's the politician set up for this i can't remember the the dipshit fucking mayor of dearborn that they recently i think they fucking did a name change changed something he was it was named after because homeboy was like openly racist was just like we don't want none of them niggers in our fucking neighborhood flat out and this is like in the 60s and 70s he was saying this shit Mm-hmm. It set up it set up these type of politicians to pander to people who were angry, scared, and pissed off, and to divide us into us versus them. When the honest to God's truth that that a lot of people don't want to realize is, the suburbs and the city have a symbiotic relationship. They both need oh, each other. Where do you come to work, bitch? But people don't want to hear that. People want to hear, well, I don't need to fucking go to Detroit. I have friends that work in Detroit Diesel that say, I don't work in Detroit, I work in Redford. You're on the other side of Telegraph. I hate to break it to you, buddy. You work in Detroit. Look at your paycheck. They're hitting you with Detroit city taxes because you work in the city of Detroit. I mean, that's how ingrained it is, and it is in them to reject this idea. And to me, the, the worst thing to come out of these fucking riots in 67 was... The idea that it's now okay that Detroit's for black people and the suburbs for white people. And it's just been accepted. When I was a kid and Beverly Hills Cop come out, look at go go back and if if you ever get bored and it's on cable or if you if you know find it on Netflix, watch the first ten minutes of that movie. And watch the watch watch the opening credits when they're showing scenes from Detroit. That's not twenty years after the riots. That's less than twenty years after the riots. And it looks just the same as it does now. Mm-hmm. Predominantly black, predominantly run down, crime ridden, windows, you know, barred up, doors with bars all over them, et cetera, et cetera. It didn't even take a full generation to go from Detroit being the Motor City, the stir, the 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 the, the straw that stirred. Wait, let me do this. 
from Motor City to Murder City. Pretty much. Weren't we murder capital? <laughs> weren't we murder capital of the U.S. a bunch of times in the '80s and early '90s? Yeah, we took home a few trophies, you know. I mean, we—it was basically us in Baltimore running neck and neck there for a while. Then mm-hmm. I think Flint snuck in for a couple of years, but I mean, I've never looked at Detroit and been like anything. Something good can happen in Detroit. When I was younger, it was always told to me, Detroit used to be nice. Then the riots happened. And I totally realized as I got older, I was getting a complete whitewashed version of that. And then as I got older and I started living in Detroit, knowing people that grew up in Detroit, I learned there's completely different neighborhoods in Detroit, just like there's completely different neighborhoods in the suburbs. Warren is white trash as fuck, but it ain't that far from Royal Oak. Ain't that far from Ferndale. You know, here in Michigan, Livonia is not that far from or Michigan. <laughs> it's all in Michigan, stupid. Here in, here in uh, the west side of the city or the suburbs, Livonia is not that far from Shacktown. And Shacktown yeah. is, I mean, it literally looks like, if I just took pictures and video of Shacktown and posted it on YouTube, unless there was, because it's m- m- mainly white trash, just to be honest with you. As long as there wasn't a bunch of white people walking around, people, I'd say, what, where am I at in, in, in Metro Detroit? People would go, you're in the city of Detroit. No, I'm not. I'm in the suburbs. Hmm. Well, when well, I, I mean, I, that, that's, at, I'm sorry, go ahead. South, I was going to mention just south of the Wayne State area, down Cass Avenue, one of the worst stretches of the city for the longest time it's made some of it's made a lot of improvements from what i've seen but it used to be chinatown and that was one of the first places that people got up and started moving actually the asians were like uh no we're all gonna get really good jobs and get the fuck out of here but yeah there there used to be i mean we like any other major city, like you go to New York and L.A. and even Chicago, you've got many different races represented. I, but Chicago is Chicago is at least nothing like Detroit has ever been in my lifetime. Because I've been in Chicago and I'm driving and I'm like, this is this is New York levels of rich and like. There's doormen all over the place, and you know there's shopping centers and or or, or you know stores and and there's people right. walking the streets who've got money literally falling out of their fucking pocket and they don't even know it. And then you make a left turn and drive a quarter mile down ro- a road, and it's oh shit, this looks like Beirut. What the fuck? And New York is the well, I don't, I can't speak for New York, so I haven't been in New York City in over 20 years, and from what I understand. I guess Times Square is completely different than it was from when we were kids. But I guess there's still pockets in New York where, you know, <laughs> yeah, you make a wrong turn, you go into the wrong neighborhood, you're like, oh, shit, what happened? This isn't the tourist area. Well, well, that's at least, at least yeah. that's what Chris says, you know. But, but you, I, can, you can focus on any one part of the city, patrol it constantly, stop and frisk, do broken windows policing, and clean it up. That, like... Sure, if you just wanted to police a, a, a city block like it was uh, under martial law, 
then yeah, you're going to clean up a portion of the city. And I don't, I don't see how that didn't seem to do anything greater for the overall statistics of uh, of crime in New York. No, it just moved it into different. It 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 herded it into different areas. Mm. Okay, we want Times Square to be a tourist attraction. We don't want fucking jerk off booths and hookers in a Times Square that right. developed an underground swing about you know did, waiting on the man and shit. So didn't that happen in the the wire? Am I correct in that there was like a lawless area that the police have basically just cordoned off and was like, and hey, we just don't go there. And that's what they do their shit. Yeah, uh, uh, Major Colvin at one point said, "Okay, you want me to get my numbers." Up? Right in the Western District, what I'm going to do is I'm going right. to pick three abandoned areas of Baltimore, and I'm going right. to move all the drug traffic there, and I'm going to tell them. But like half hustle. the season, it was like, well, how is he doing this? Exactly. <laughs> and he told them, you can hustle, and you can sell, and you can use. These are open-air drug markets with impunity. Yeah. But the minute there's violence, we're knocking heads. And then right. there was, of course, the, the little pockets of violence, and they knocked heads. And then it worked, and then boom, the politicians and the media got hold of it. Right. And ta-da, all hell broke loose. You can't do that. You legalize drugs. Right, because what what works in these situations is what people are unwilling to do, and that's be tolerant. Be tolerant of things that fly in the face of your morals, because that's the country that we live in, a free one. Some people do drugs, newsflash, okay? Accept that. Give them a, a legal and safe way to do that. Give them clean needles so they're not getting infected with anything. Exactly, and move, yeah. And move on with your fucking life. People are into kinky sex. People uh, born a woman in a man's body and want a procedure. To, look, if it conflicts with your morals, that's okay. It's really okay, honey. It'll be all right. You, nobody's nobody's going to bust into your house, strap you to a chair, and give you an, a sex change because they've decided that you're a man born in a woman's body or vice versa. And nobody's, go, nobody's going to... None of this shit affects your life at all. It I'm offends you, but that's fine. You can be offended. How many times growing up Maybe you heard it from your own family. Maybe you heard it from friends' families. Maybe you heard it from a dare cop or in school from teachers or whatever. How many times did you hear that, you know, oh, yeah, man, those drugs, those, 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 those drug pushers, yeah, man, they'll hold you down and get you and force you to get addicted to the shit, and you'll have no choice and blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something. I've never met a drug dealer who's come up and stuck a needle in my arm without me asking. I've never met a drug dealer who's handed me fucking weed and said, that's just because I need new customers. That whole, the first one's free shit, maybe there was a point in time when that shit happened, but it don't happen no more because the market's been established. There's no drug dealer, like Chris Rock said, there's no crack dealer sitting in a house full of crack going, how am I going to get rid of all this crack? No, you right. go on the corner and say, I got that shit. And people are going to go, I know exactly where to go to get it, and that's what I want. And this is... But yeah, once but, again, but these are the, this the is, drug this, deal is this is people wanting to set up a no-win situation and say, "Well, it's all or nothing. You can't have mm -hmm. drug dealers 
and have law. Well, yes, you fucking can. Okay, you make drug dealers. This is this is what this is where, and this is gonna make me sound really old. This is where gangster rap really fucked up a whole generation of people, because real gangsters strove to be legitimate. Gangster rap were studio motherfuckers striving to act like they were gangsters. They were mm-hmm. going in the opposite direction. Real gangsters wanted their money laundered. They wanted to wear suits. They wanted to own property. Later for that bullshit on the corner. That's what the fuck they want. It's these motherfuckers who listen to too much fucking NWA and Ice T and watch too many, you know, fucking hood movies that, you know, thought, oh yeah, we're gonna go do drive-bys and blah 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 and all this shit. There's no one who's deep in the game whose goal is to be that. Everybody who's who's deep in the drug game's goal is to I insulate themselves from that and be as wealthy and powerful as possible. And you, right. the only way to do that is to eventually turn legit. You turn dirty money into clean money and you spend it legitimately. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I think there's a difference there between somebody who ultimately what they want is success and they may find illegal ways or sometimes even immoral ways to accomplish that but their ultimate goal once they achieve that well you know they can just wash their hands of it and then there's the career type gangster who has is a perfect example of what i was talking about earlier somebody who's stopped believing in the system of government their government does nothing for them the government has failed them and they stopped believing in that system. They are the, the gangs are a perfect example of, of the aforementioned cancer. It's and, funny. I was, and and oh, you sorry. know, ever well, but I, this isn't like well, there's some people that are just going to go crazy, and there's nothing you can do about it. So we just have to control them. No, you've you've let these people down. You have to, this is a pretty nice system that we have worked out here. You must have really screwed them over in order to get them to stop believing in the system. And you should really be doing something to try and correct it. Well, it's funny because I was listening to an, art, uh, an interview with Ice-T that Howard Stern did recently. And he went real deep into Ice-T's past and growing up and everything. And one of the things that struck me was Ice-T and his crew, they wanted the big Cadillacs, they wanted the nice clothes, they wanted the good seats at the restaurants, they wanted the, the, they wanted the businessman high life. And when they started getting busted, when his crew started getting busted, when they really started cracking down, because Ice-T's old as fuck, if you don't realize, I think he's in his 60s, so I mean, he goes back a ways. Oh, yeah. Back before heroin, it was like mandatory minimums and shit. When that shit started, and they started giving motherfuckers forty years, fifty years, like they like they did White Boy Rick, like they were handing out candy at Halloween. Right. That's when he started getting letters and phone calls when he calls boys from his former crew that are in fucking San Quentin and Pelican Bay, and they're going, "Dude, this ain't it. These motherfuckers in here are savages. This ain't us. You don't want to be in here." Find another way to make money from the game because 
The game ain't the game no more. These motherfuckers don't care about upward mobility. They care about being soldiers in a war. And that's what, that's, those are the type of people that, yeah, they don't care about, they don't care about fucking getting out of the fucking, the drug game. They don't care about being caught up in the system. So what what did he do? He started singing about a lifestyle that, that he witnessed other people get trapped in. And he was like, I got the fuck out of it. And I was lucky because I was one of the first to do it because no one had thought to put that shit down. No one, no one ever fucking wrote anything in, in, in the history of hip hop, let alone, I don't think, rock music like six in the morning from the from. I mean, even Johnny Cash, you know, shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. He didn't go into detail about his whole day in the drug game. And then at the end of the fucking song, the door getting kicked in because the feds are coming in to bust him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just. Right. <laughs> no, I, 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 I get what you're saying. Because, I mean, we used to. People used to go and watch gladiator fights and shit. And that was entertainment, right? And then I think we matured to a certain point where we were like, you know, that's kind of gross because these people are dying and shit. So we just fictionalized that. Now we like gladiator movies, you know? But we can't divide that fiction from the reality. Exactly. We have to be- we have to believe that if Dr. Dre says all that shit about shooting people, then he must have done it. I mean, why else would he say that shit? We can't. I mean, the, the same people that can't divorce the the, the uh, guy they saw on The Apprentice from the guy who's now president. They, they don't. They think that because he was able to to keep it together for five minutes at a time to get shoots on a reality show that they could stitch together into a story. That this guy's really got his shit together. Well, it's funny because one of the one of the 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 first debates Chris and I ever got into back in the Specs days was we were talking about hip hop and you know gangster rap and all this shit, and he was like, "What the fuck?" Wait, I can't believe I used to listen to that shit. What the fuck do I have in common with that shit? And I went, Chris, why are you looking at gangster rap looking to fucking identify with it? It's entertainment, dude. Do you watch The Godfather and Goodfellas and go out and try to emulate what you just saw? It's entertainment. You watch Pulp Fiction and you, do you go try to find yourself a motherfucker, a, a black dude with a jerry curl and a skinny tie and go be an, a, 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 a hitman? No. It's entertainment, dude. Right. I didn't listen to David Bowie and then go out and try and be a spider for Mars. Exactly. Exactly. I understood it was a fucking story. You know, it's I not mean, real. It, it, it's just... We, we get, we've, we've gotten so caught up in... And this is... This is Unfortunately, I'm going to come off sounding as, you know, some sort of way, but whatever, fuck it. I don't know any other way to put it. This comes with the, you know, f- 50 years after the Detroit riots, Detroit has a re- violent reputation. You hear a rapper's from Detroit and he's rapping about gangster shit. Oh shit, he must've been doing it. I mean, that's right. one of the, I think that's one of the only reasons Eminem lasted his first year or two in the spotlight is because Eminem didn't come out rapping about you know, I was, I was doing this and doing this and, and doing, you know, my dirt in the hood. 
he came out. He listened to that first album. It's about getting beat beat up by bullies in fucking schools, motherfucking with them, and him doing a bunch of crazy ass drugs and tired of this white trash bitch he knocked up and the shitty job he worked. He was mm-hmm. fucking actually singing about what the fuck he knew to be and to be gangster with the shit. They'd have been like, get the fuck out of here. You ain't there. Ain't nothing gangster about you, little blonde haired white boy, little five foot nothing, hundred nothing. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Right. You're a joke. But but when I think of people's criticism of of gangster rap as well, you know, I can't listen to that. It's it's violent or it's misogynist. I mean, a, a person could say that uh, you know that's vile, but The Walking Dead is brilliant television. It's it's both fiction, and they're both stories about people doing what they have to do to survive. Whether it involves, you know, sometimes it's a me or him situation, right? I got to take somebody's life. I mean, yeah, these are stories that are engaging to us. These, these are exciting. I, They're just stories. It, I actually, I think it's, I think it's really fucking amusing that you compared something like The Walking Dead to gangster rap because I remember growing up, my, one of my dad's favorite movies was Night of the Living Dead, so. And it, it oh, always played, yeah. always played around Halloween, so I you know I knew that movie backwards and forwards. And when I started listening to hip hop, one of the first albums I got was Public Enemy's album with Night of the Living Bassheads on it. And I was oh, nice, it, nice. And, I, and my dad was like, "Oh, I don't get this shit." And I'm like, "Night of the Living Dead, but with drug addicts." Think about it. And he was like, <laughs> "Oh, okay, that makes sense." And I was like, there you go. It was that easy to explain to him. <laughs> so, I mean, well, really, that- look at The Walking Dead. They're in rundown areas, danger around every corner. Well, you well, know, but, but, but talking about uh, Night of the Living Dead, you know, George Romero, Romero, George Romero just passed away recently. And I'm not going to go on in any length about him because I... I've seen the movie maybe twice. I'm not a huge fan, but I appreciate it for what it is. I didn't understand it on the level that that Penn Jillette does. He's an um, incredible fan of that movie. And if you are at all a fan, I would highly recommend... I think it was just this last week's... It happened like, you know, whatever podcast happened uh, right after George Romero died... Listen to him explain how important that film is. Oh, yeah. And Dude, think about when that movie was released. The hero was a black man and a woman. Right. Well, but that's the thing. He says that that, that movie was so... Uh, how, do, how does he phrase it? it? I don't know if he says it like this, but he almost says it's post-racial. Because there was never a thought of what was going to be the race of the lead character. We knew the lead, lead character was going to be a man, and that was it. And he auditioned a lot of people, and the black guy did it the best. And so that was the lead. It wasn't like George Romero going, well, I, you know, I this is going to... part specifically for a black man. Right. I want to have a black guy in my movie because I think black guys need more parts. And so I want to make him the lead to make a point. He wasn't making any point other than it doesn't matter what race he is. You know, anybody should be able to put themselves in 
in the lead character situation and feel empathy for him if he's a competent, competent enough actor and the material's there. That's what he understood. But see, doesn't it go back? Doesn't it go back to like the, the civil rights struggles in the '60s, to where look, I don't want to be treated like a white man or a black man. I want to be treated like a man. Right. Why? Why? Why is why is it white man, black man, you know, Latino man, black woman, white woman, whatever? Just treat us like fucking people. Just treat us like you know. Well, but of course, back then it was much more. The the the, the gender divide was a lot bigger than it is now. No matter what the third wave feminists want to fucking tell you, you right. know. So it was, you know, just treat us like a man, treat me like a woman, whatever, blah blah blah. And here we are, fifty years out, and it seems like we're completely obsessed with race as a society to the point where everything can be taken offense to. No matter, I mean, perfect example. Dan Gilbert, he's a he's a businessman who's dumped a lot of money in Detroit. Mm-hmm. All right. He he is, I guarantee you, so far removed from his marketing department that he didn't even see the campaign that went out. But there was a campaign oh, shit, that went no. out that was putting pictures on one of his buildings that said "See Detroit the way we see Detroit," and it was a bunch of people, probably between the you know middle thirties to early twenties, and most of them were white. Just to be fair. And people shit. I mean, people in Detroit and all the people who get offended on behalf of other people shit their fucking pants because, oh, that's how Dan Gilbert sees Detroit—a bunch of white people and and a, and a few tokens and a, and a couple uncles to do the shuffling for him. Oh, now now you see how the white man really th- feels about us, folks. Okay, well then you flip it and you get Mike Duggan, current mayor of Detroit. He's a white man. Mm-hmm. One of his supporters. Reelect Mike Duggan had a sign in her yard. I think it was either her children or her grandchildren, granddaughter, grandson, posed with the posed with the reelect Mike Duggan. Where and I, you know, where people looked at the Dan Gilbert thing and said it's all white people, and you're saying see Detroit how we see it. This is Mike. This is a Mike Duggan supporter who's black, with her grandchildren posing with his sign. So you figure they'd be happy. No. First words come out of their mouth. Look at that. They're using those black kids like lawn jockeys. How racist. No win situation, huh. man. And it, this is this is 50 years after the fucking city burned. And, I mean, there's stories about the fucking riots that people outside of Detroit will probably never hear unless they search them out. Like the Detroit Tigers in uniform, Willie Horton in uniform, going out. And, and trying to calm people the fuck down. Like, he left Tiger Stadium, didn't even put on his fucking street clothes, and went out into the neighborhoods that were burning and, and violence was erupting, and trying to calm people down and get people to stop destroying their own neighborhoods. That's not a story you're going to hear on right. a national level. You know? Well, you know, I'll, can I use my girlfriend analogy on you again? Because I, I like to... When I think about relationships between any two groups of people, I I, I feel like uh, I can asso- they can be easily associated to most uh, interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. And you wait, because and I think of this because you say this is the second time that you said uh, a no-win situation, right? In reference to it's either about uh, gentrification 
or um, uh, oh, what's the word? Trying to use somebody else's culture appropriation, right? That's the no. That's the no one situation that you're saying, right? Well, I said white flight versus gentrification. You don't want us in the city, but you don't want our money in the city because then we're gentrifying it. So, okay, when I say right. us, so, when I say us, I mean I really don't mean my type of white people because I don't have I, shit to I, put money in. I'm talking about rich white people. <laughs> right. Okay. But okay, so the girl, the girlfriend analogy. Let's say you're dating somebody and you fuck around on them and then manage to convince that person that you still love them and they stay with you. But then have these situations where you're like, it's like I can't win with her, you know? She's always mad at me about something. Yeah. She's probably still mad about all the other shit. And you've still got to take some personal responsibility in that. And I understand this idea of like, well, look, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't own any slaves, or uh, I didn't start any riots, you know? Well, no, but we were all born to people who started these problems, and, and you, you have to take some personal responsibility for that, for the, those situations that were created, even if you didn't create them, because <laughs> your, your only other option is to, what, I don't know, check out completely, See, I don't buy that, man, because how far back are we going to go? Because at some point, you're going to be cherry-picking history. You're going to go, history matters, but only the history I care about, to throw in your face to say, see, you're white. You benefited from slavery that happened 500, 400, 300, 200 years ago. And it's like, okay, but what about the slavery that happened on the continent that your fucking ancestors were from? The slavery that was black-on-black slavery. How about the fact that, I don't know, Slavery still exists in the world today in bigger numbers than it ever did in history, but it's not talked yeah, about because it's not a sexy issue. How, what, 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 I mean, at what point does, do we go, okay, everybody's fucking, everybody's race has, has, has been shitty to another race at a certain point in time. Now, what do we do about it? That's my question. And he, and I never get answers. I just get, well, you're you're shitty and, and you got white privilege and blah, blah blah. Okay, fine. You know what? Whether I agree with you or not, you've pointed that out. You've pointed it out ad nauseum. Now we've identified the problem. Give me a solution. And there's never any solutions, unless it's something like turn over everything you own to a black person. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that I. I, I, I told my I told my buddy Demarcus I'm like well if it ever comes to that you're getting everything I own I'm putting it in my will so uh, here you can have it and Demarcus goes you ain't got shit I said yeah I know but you can have it you're welcome to it <laughs> and all the debt I'm in too I, I that's I don't no I mean I, I think you're right I mean this is I don't, this I don't is, know this I is, like... this is now if I was if I was a direct descendant from slaveholders and 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 that wealth had been passed down from generation to generation in my family you're goddamn right i'd carry that fucking with me because that's every day i wake up i have a choice to make do i try to fucking go how can i make the world a better place 
off of the fuck because everything around me has been built on the backs of other people that were never fucking given a chance to even be treated like human beings for their fucking work let alone paid a fair wage now what can i do to fucking try to try to set the scales back to to somewhere close to even but when you when when poor black people get on poor white people about shit that's when I'm like, I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not the white person to fuck with with that. Don't start that shit. I don't have nothing. My family didn't have nothing. The person who did the best in my family was my grandmother. That's it. And she didn't die with all that much money in her in her bank account. Okay, it wasn't six figures, and it damn sure wasn't wealth to be handed down from generation to generation. So when people, but when people go, well, you still, you still, you still have white privilege. You, yeah, I admit that. Yeah. And it's not even I have to admit that. It's just a fact. I can drive through cities like Livonia and not get pulled over for the color of my skin. Yeah. And that's fucked up. And I know what to do about that. Get those fucking types, get that mentality out of the fucking police force. The problem is police force don't want to do it. Problem is I can't do it on my own. Give me something to vote on, I'll vote on it. Give me something to fucking protest that's going to change something, I'll do it. But pointing out problems and giving no solutions does not help. It does not help. It just it just it, it just aggravates the situation. And that's where we are right now. We're at the point in society where everybody wants to point fingers at everybody else and say it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. Okay, great, we've identified the problem. Now what do we do about it? And that's that's all I ask. I mean, to me, I've, I've I've thrown some solutions out there. Some of them have been have been shot down on this podcast. Some of them you guys have been like, yeah, that makes sense. To me, you're going to have a problem if you take people from a neighborhood, a culture that don't understand the culture that, uh, in the neighborhood they're going to be policing, and you throw them in there. And you're going to have that problem, especially if they don't look at the people who they are serving in that neighborhood as human beings. They see them as black people, uh, Mexican people, whatever the fuck. They see them as different. I mean, how many times have I said you get two people in a room of opposite races, ideals, and you let them humanize themselves to each other, and you're going to come up with a lot more solutions than if you have a crowd of people over here yelling and a crowd of people over here yelling. And that's all we have right now. There's There's no solutions. There's just fucking let's antagonize. Let's stir the pot some more. It doesn't help us because then you get then you get the bullshit we got now. You got people with shirts tied around their heads throwing rocks and M80s at each other. And where does that get us? It gets us nowhere. It just breeds fear on the news. And I'm I'm not even bullshit. I don't think another race riot like '67 will happen in Detroit anytime soon. But I think that I'm the shit could pop off in other cities real easy right now. I didn't. I wasn't alive in the '60s. I can't tell you what the climate was racially in this country, but if it was con- as contentious as it is now, or if it was more, or if it was if it was more contentious than it is now, I think we're 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 ramping up to get to it to to equal it because of the rhetoric yeah. we hear, the, the news we watch, you know, everything. Think about this: cop shoots a guy. You don't even have to watch the news to know what's going to be said. People from the neighborhood are going to say he was a good boy, he didn't do nothing, blah, blah, blah. The cops are going to say, Felt well, we didn't, we, he was aggressive. 
Yep, we don't know the whole story. Don't judge until you hear the whole story. You just saw a 30-second clip on the news. You didn't see what happened before and after. Not all cops are like that. What does that solve? That solves nothing. And just like I've said this about the cops, cops say, you are in a cop, you don't understand what we go through, so you can't fix the problems in our, in our precincts. Then you better fix them your fucking selves. Because right, because I mean, <laughs> I understand not all cops, but um, they all are trained in a system that pretty much says, "Hey, it's you or them." Exactly, and 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 not really putting policemen out there with the idea of with the, with the idea of protection. It's just that, you know, and especially in most cities, you know, you're, you're trained how to uh, to evaluate a situation so much as, like, whether somebody looks like they are, uh, I don't know, it's getting late. I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> well, this is what irritates but, me. But, it's this but, attitude that if you aren't one of us, then you don't have a... You don't have a right to have an opinion or you don't have a voice in this matter. Really? Really? So I have to go out and get shot to know that getting shot sucks? No. I'll take someone's word for it who's been shot. Right. I have to I mean, raped to know being raped sucks? No, I can take their word for it. I mean, so... I don't think... We don't accept that answer from our politicians when they all try and get something done on health care. And they like, they can't use like well hey you don't look, you don't know what it's like being a representative all right so let us do our thing we'll figure this out no they have to hear from their constituents well yeah, the police work for us just like the politicians do well I think so, we're fast we're fast approaching yeah, a scary point I think we're you fast need to you need to make some time to listen to our grievances. I think we're fast approaching a scary point where people are getting ready to throw their hands up and say, fuck it. And when I say people who do want to help a city like Detroit have some sort of a comeback and, well, hey, we don't want you. We, you, you oh, 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 what? We need your white people to come in and save us? We don't need you. You, right. you tell people that enough, you know what they're going to do? They're going to throw their hands up and say, fuck it. You're on your own. And it's it's already got to the point like that with the police because we've been, we've thrown our hands up. If you really think about it, the police work for us. Those are not their precincts. Those are our precincts. And we should be able to go in there and say, get these fucking cops out of here. And if you see something and don't say something, and you don't fucking get and you don't self police yourself and get these fucking cops who think they're still in Iraq or Afghanistan and that people in Detroit, Baltimore, New York, LA are an occupied group out of the police department, then we're going to get them out. But we don't do that because we we fetishize the job. Oh, these are people that are they put their lives on the line and it's one of the most dangerous jobs in the world and it's not even true. That's a fallacy. It's not even one of the top ten most dangerous jobs in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's the same kind of lies that we were told about terrorism. You know, uh, it, because 
well, to, to my mind, policemen, they, they patrol their territory like they're their own gang. And if you don't think that the gangs are seeing it that way, then, then I don't think you understand the situation. Because, you know, the, I know it might just be like this Hollywood trope thing, but I have had police tell me, get the fuck out of my city. Mm-hmm. In Detroit, in Chicago, not really in L.A. so much that I have run-ins with the cops. But I was more there on business. But, um, yeah, I mean, they act like they're a gang and that the city is their territory to protect. I mean, and specifically talking about inner-city cops in this case. But, I mean, I guess that's what we're really talking about because I mean, this, these are the situations that, that caused the, the riots 50 years ago. So, I guess the, the, in the equation in my mind to terrorism is that, you know, we, when 9-11 happened, a lot of people want to know what the fuck is going on and why is this happening? Why would they do this to us? You know, we wanted answers. Well, they hate us for our freedom, you know. And, you know, the, the, uh, Meanwhile, what are what are the actual people in the Middle East saying? Hey, this is about territory. This is about land. Okay, this is about you staying the fuck off of our land. Oh no, no, no! It's not about that. We're just going to move some troops in here and escalate the situation and cause more terrorism. But it's not about land. We're just going to take over some territory here and appoint some false leaders over here. But this isn't about land. No, this is about freedom. They hate us for our freedom. And it's the same idea to say, like, oh, the police are there to protect you, you know. They might be a little aggressive sometimes on uh, some some people, but, you know, they're just trying to keep the streets clean. No, they're, the, whether they are thinking it or not, their actions are showing that they are taking over their territory. So they are working in direct uh, opposition to the gang members. That's what they're doing, policing their territory. They fight the cops, same as they fight other gangs. And that, I mean, in, if I'm wrong, I, people are more than welcome to hit, hit up the unregimented page on Facebook or, or email. Let me Please. know. Or what hit us history? up on Twitter. Or Twitter or unregimented pod. Uh, tell me, in history, where that attitude has led to a better life for everybody involved. Because it's to me, it's like the first time I talked to someone who had actually lived in Northern Ireland, and I said, "What the fuck is going on in Northern Ireland?" My family's Irish, and they don't really get into it. They just we don't like the British, and they're like. It's a land war. It's a land war dressed up as Catholics versus Protestants. Right. We're fighting over land, and the way we get people to buy into it and to, to, to rationalize the horrible things they're going to do is we say it's the Catholics versus the Protestants. And when, when I had someone explain it to me that bluntly, I said, how the fuck is that different than what's going on in, with Israel and Palestine 
and what's going yeah. on with, with, with us it's in not. the Middle East. And he said, it's not different. There's nothing new under the sun. This has all been done and played out before. And they find new ways to dress it up. Yes, they're free. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, say that again. Anybody who's a member of a terrorist organization in the Middle East, they think they're free. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Don't, they don't hate us for our freedom. They hate us for the fact that we're infidels. I'm talking to true believers, the Kool-Aid drinkers, not the opportunists who step in mm-hmm. to get, and, and look at it as a chance to make themselves wealthy off the deaths of other people. I'm talking about the true believers. Those people, freedom don't, don't even come into the equation for them. My religion says that you either convert at the edge of the sword or we take your head off and you refuse to convert. We've given you chances so we're going to take your fucking head off. Right. We may have conflicts and based on our different religious beliefs, I'm really generalizing here as nation, but, you know, I mean, you could stage this as an Islam versus Christianity thing if you wanted to, but, you know, this it's not like... Uh, if U.S. pulled out of the Middle East completely, eventually they would come and try and take over our country and convert us all into uh, into Muslims. No, they start fighting amongst themselves. Well, probably yes, because it's the 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 land war wouldn't stop with us pulling out. Well, but it's, it's, but it's like one of the best analogies I've ever heard it described is Eddie Griffin, a comedian, said, "You understand." That gangs in L.A. are fighting over blocks you don't even own. Why are you killing somebody f- from a different neighborhood? Because they're standing on your corner. It should be two old Jewish guys who own all the property fighting. Not, not a bunch of fucking black kids who, who don't own shit in the neighborhood. And, I mean, that's basically what it is. Instead of, oh, I'm cripping your blood, it's, uh, I'm, 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 you're Sunni and I'm Shiite. Or you're Christian and I'm and I'm I'm Jewish and, and you you know etc cetera, etc. Cetera. It's it's just it's just window dressing for the people at the top to use people as pawns to collect power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and and present them with situations like, well, we can't have you out there fighting the cops, so you can go to jail, or maybe you want to go to the army. Maybe you want to. We got we got other groups of people that it's okay to kill. You're just. Problem isn't your violent tendencies; it's where you're directing them, son. Well, there's a whole there's a reason that they do a whole lot of uh, psychological screening for people who end up working in the CIA, working in special forces, because yeah. we found a way to take people who are otherwise antisocial and would have a hard time in day to day, quote unquote, polite society, and we found a use for them. It's like the dog that was born and it just hated everybody and it's been vicious. You just train it to attack the people you want it to attack. And you only let it loose when you want them to attack somebody. Right. I mean, it's, if you talk to a true blue Semper Fi Marine, they will tell you that they are America's attack dog. They are America's pit bull. America pisses on them, mistreats them until they need them to kill somebody. And then they send them in to do it. And they're proud of it. And I'm, I say that I say that at this point, with no judgment on it, I'm just telling you what I've heard from Marines and my family and my oh, I believe friendship. Yeah. And I, the older I get, the more I look at it, I say, you know what? I'd rather those people be in the military killing other people who feel that way than be on our streets killing fucking 
people in movie theaters and running people over in crowds and shit. So <laughs> I just, once again, it, it 50 years after a fucking riot divided a city and we're more divided ideal uh, ideal <laughs> yes thank you thank you thank i you. couldn't I'm even kidding. do it i <laughs> ideologically then i think we even were then because then it mm-hmm. was just we don't like you you don't like us fuck it go your way we'll go our way now it's it's like i said people love to set up the no-win situation don't help us that's gentrification don't abandon us that's white flight and I, I I can't blame them for feeling that way. I can't blame anyone who's who stayed in Detroit, who lived in Detroit before the riots, stayed there after the riots, have has went through fifty years of horse shit, the 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 horrible government that has. I mean, you know, the Coleman Young, Kwame Kilpatrick, Duggan ain't looking to be much better. Yeah. I mean, it's it's mostly it, people who have wanted to take advantage, make some connections, get some money, and bail I mean, you, on the city. You got to think about this. There's people that have lived in Detroit and families, you know, three, four generations have lived in the same house in Detroit that are now paying over 50% of their house's property value in property taxes. That is insanity. That is a city that's taking advantage of its own residents. If that is the if that is what the elected leaders who are there do and and the people who live there just take it and they go, "Well, it's business as usual. What are we going to do?" can't fight city hall what happens slow boil and then all it's going to take i'm i'm really surprised this hasn't happened yet in the last three years we've been on the air because i pointed out today three years today to the day yeah that's right my my first show with you guys and the first show we the second show excuse me we talked almost exclusively about ferguson i'm surprised nothing's popped off in detroit to me that just shows that the dpd from the top down has been told we're not having that bullshit again we're not well, going through this and and history repeats right because what were we saying happened in detroit 50 years ago the cops said oh all these riots are going on all over the city not in here no we got this shit on lockdown as a matter of fact let's crack down twice as hard on the black man to make sure he doesn't get any bright ideas and what happened so, that slow boil to right. over overboiled Right, so I, I mean that same situation could probably just as easily play out today. I believe that's Maybe. why I'm shocked it hasn't happened in the last three yeah. years. Well, Boy, that's a, that's a there, cheery there you go. There's the hot take <laughs> on the 50 year anniversary of the Detroit uprising. Surprised it took more than that. We went. <laughs> we can hang a sign up, a billboard, when you enter Detroit. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, 50 years since last uprising. <laughs> it's like you know, days since accident. Yeah, <laughs> and <know>, change right? <laughs> it. <laughs> so anyway, we got the uh, Facebook out there, right? Yep, uh, regimented it? on Facebook, which is I, I guess by default I've I've ended up taking care of that page. So any questions, comments that, that get sent to that will be to me. I think you pretty much run the Twitter page, right? I've yeah, I've started handling the Twitter page. Um, you know. I, I encourage people to, please, you know, if you, I'm sure at some point one of us must have said something that pissed you off, that you think we should be corrected on, or whatever, I mean, hey, I'll admit it, I'm talking out of my ass, I'm just one guy, what the fuck do I know? 
<laughs> but but let's get a conversation going. You know, hit me up on Unregimented Pod on Twitter. And Chris will be back next week with us. And we'll just see how far things have continued to spin out of control. Well, if there's one thing we've learned since, what was it, January 20th? Mm -hmm. We're always going to have something to talk about from week to week with Trump. So, yeah. But you know, uh, before we go, though, every time that we talk about current events, a lot of times that conversation ends up going back to past events. It seems to be a common theme. Like, there's as much as we're kind of a lot of people are flipping their way over nothing like this has ever been in constitutional crisis and what is all this and where is it coming from like there's historical precedent for everything that we're seeing happening here it just seems to be happening all at once I think it also and this is it's just my opinion I think it I has take- a lot to do with I think it has to do a lot with uh, the education system in this country at this point. I mean, I don't think it's as much about teaching history as it used to be. I, I think it's more about indoctrination and teaching you to do well on standardized tests so the school can get more and more funding. I think we could do a whole other episode about education, and we may, we may yet do that next week because I definitely want to talk about that. I've got some opinions. I do have a buddy who's a teacher in the Detroit school system. And I th- if hmm. next time Chris isn't on, and if I can get him on, I'll ask if he'd be willing to Skype in. Maybe he if he just does like a little 15 or 20 minutes where, you know, get, yeah. He doesn't have to do the whole episode. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is interesting because he's, he's taught in the suburbs and now he's teaching in Detroit. And, uh,. I know I'm on a personal level, so I, you know, it's interesting to hear the stories, and I'm like, ah, okay, that's how it is? All right. And in some ways, it's better than you'd expect. In some ways, it's worse than you'd expect. Let's put it that way. So Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, hopefully you can get them. I, I would look forward to that conversation. Either way, I want to talk about how fucked up education is in the U.S., because I've got some definite thoughts on that. So, yeah, until next week. All right, we'll see you next week, guys. Later. If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.